This week we're journeying to a galaxy far, far away in a very special episode all about Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Let's do it! Jesse Mercury. Wow, this is another huge episode. Two really big ones in a row. Uh, <laughs> as I said last week, I had this massive conversation with Andy about Star Wars, and I was hoping to get it all edited down and ready for you to go this week, and booyah, it's done, it's ready, here it is. So this is the entire conversation. Just in case you're not aware of what's going on, let me fill you in. I've been dating the lovely Andy Alhadif for six months now, and she really knew nothing about science fiction when we started dating. And obviously, I live and breathe science fiction. It's really all I talk about or think about or, you know, make art about all day long every day. So science fiction started creeping into our relationship. We watched Lost in Space together and podcasted about that. And it's been in the back of my mind that I really wanted to show her Star Wars and then do episodes about it as we go through the saga. So ever since I started the podcast, I've wanted to do an episode with someone who'd never seen Star Wars because I love experiencing my favorite things through the fresh eyes of someone else experiencing it for the first time. And here it is. It is happening. So I feel a little silly saying this, but there are spoilers for Star Wars in this episode. Uh, if you have never seen Star Wars, which I know people are out there because I'm dating one of them. If you've never seen Star Wars before uh, and you want to listen to this podcast, definitely watch the whole original trilogy first. There are some spoilers for the whole trilogy. And if you have, I, if you somehow managed to avoid some of the secrets of the original trilogy, then go watch those movies first and then come back and experience this with Andy and I. Andy actually had a couple of spoilers, which is why, which is why we talk about him in this episode. So you're warned. I, it seems very silly to give a spoiler warning for Star Wars because I feel like if you're listening to a sci-fi podcast, you probably are spoiled. But let's be on the safe side. I mean, this is one of the greatest stories in cinematic history, and coming into it fresh is something that I would value so highly as a as a viewer. So if you're fresh to Star Wars, uh, take a break. Don't listen to this. Go watch Star Wars. Come back. Listen to this. That's the order. Okay. So, my friends, here it is, the comprehensive discussion of the very first Star Wars movie from 1977. I'm thrilled to bring this to you. I hope you enjoy. Let's get into it. Mo Bobo, bring the boys to the yard. My milkshake. Bring all the boys to the yard. <laughs> what if you're lactose intolerant? <laughs> uh, Andy, welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jesse. I'm honored and thrilled to be here. <laughs> 
So we're going to do something that I've been dying to do with you for a long time. Oh, yeah. Which is watch Star, Star Wars. Wars. Ready? <laughs> it's close. It's close. It's way closer than I was before. That's true. And the <laughs> Which brings me to the next point, which is that you haven't really seen this movie no you 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 told me that it was on at a party that you were at when you were like eight <laughs> is, is that correct yeah all the parties that i went to when i was eight yeah i think it must have been like a my brother my brother's 13 years older than me so maybe it was like a birthday party he was having or well no that'd be weird i don't know i would watch i mean going to a birthday party but he'd be 20 21st birthday where people are watching Star Wars? I was... All I remember is I was... perfect sense to me. I was, really, <laughs> I was really young and I was really distracted when yeah. it was playing. So you were in a room where this movie I mean, played. It, de- it definitely wasn't a significant enough viewing experience to have even been... I don't even really remember. I just know that I had... I've seen pieces of it yeah. when I was younger. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so you haven't... And you went your whole life without seeing any Star Wars movies besides glimpses of of the very first. Uh-huh. Yeah. Until you saw The Force Awakens when it came out. Yes. Yeah, because right, because it was playing at the Majestic Bay. Yeah. And I have two nephews that, you know, really wanted to go and and I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go. And I went with my parents and yeah, my siblings and it was great i really enjoyed that movie (laughs) was it confusing to jump in at that point in the star wars saga um i don't think it was so confusing to the point where it was an issue yeah there were some like very minor moments where i was a little bit like oh maybe i should know more about what's going on there but there was no huge plot point that i missed or yeah because i also have because you know i'm a person in the world i have some i know some things about the film just based on talking to humans so that's actually what i wanted to ask you is what things do you what things does someone pick up in the world who has never seen star wars what (laughs) do you know well obviously you know darth vader luke i am your father luke i am your father oh that's a bummer well that's i mean yeah well i'm still excited i mean i'm sure i I wasn't sure if you knew that or not and i was actually not saying any i I would never ask you because like (laughs) By the way, Andy, do you know the spoiler where uh, Darth Vader reveals to be Luke's father? Do you know that spoiler? Oh, you do now? Shit. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't going to ask you. Right. Well, that was really nice of you. Unfortunately, that, you know, puppy was born a long time ago. I don't know. <laughs> Bummer. Yeah. Um, um, and then okay. I know Luke and Leia are brother and sister, right? Damn. Yeah. But all they also spoilers. sort of have a love interest vibe. Um do they get married? No, I don't know. Someone gets married to Leia, and then I think the marriage falls apart. I just recently—that's from uh, Force Awakens. Heard, yes. Well, they see. Yeah, but they don't. The marriage doesn't fall apart in Force Awakens, right? Right. But then, um, and then obviously, I know everything that happened in Force Awakens. Right. Um, I know. And then I like know what a lot of the characters look like. Okay. Um. So you've got some pretty big spoilers in there, but what? Yeah. So what is? What is a Star War, may I ask you? What is a Star War? <laughs> yeah. Like, do you know what the, um, like, do you know who's at war with who or what the war is? Uh-huh. You probably don't. Because uh, it was different Force. in Force Awakens. <laughs> There's the Force, and you want it to be with people. And um, <laughs> Wait, what is the Force? The Force is like that thing where if you're on higher ground than someone, 
you get to win or something. <laughs> <laughs> so that's actually something I wanted to ask you also because they don't really, to my memory, and it's been a... Val- I mean, Valkans? Valkans? The Valkans are the bad guys? Maybe uh, Falcon, Millennium Falcon, Falcon, or Vulcans from Star Vulcan? Trek. Vulcan? No, That's... shoot! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, oh god, this is embarrassing a little. But I honestly, it's just because I. Do, well, you've I don't... never seen it. Like, no, how would I've you never... know well, what you haven't seen? I don't know. I, this is something I should know, but I'm going to. I'm going to yeah. know. The, well, there's the like knowing the dark knowing side the details the good, of Star Wars is not side. like it's not something that's important to know to get by in life. It's just like I'm excited to be able to share it with you. Yeah, uh, this I just is not feel like this is not a quiz. Is like shaking their heads with like how. How is this possible? But that's okay. Well, I mean, the premise of this is that you've never seen it before. Right. So, and, you yeah. know, if, if anybody out there needs to know weird, obscure details about musical theater or. Yeah, totally. Or 90s R&B, I'm there. I can give you yeah, all. Yeah, there's like 100% no shame in not knowing <laughs> oh, a thing. I know, but. Yeah. I just, I'm just I'm just curious yeah. from like a. Well, you want to give people a sense of like how much I do know going into yeah. this. And that and that's fair. And and actually I'm in some way I'm excited that I don't know a lot because I really do get to like view this the way because I feel like a lot of people attach themselves and feel passionate about Star Wars because of their first experience watching it, like when huh. they were young. And that feeling has like kept them on board for a long time. Um at least I feel that way about a lot of show, movies that I saw when I was young. And if there were multiple of those movies i would a hundred like if i saw the goonies and there was like a series of goonies movies i would be so into it so i feel like i'm really going to be able to have a point of view of someone that's honestly seeing this with really youthful fresh eyes yeah maybe. That, that's that, what that i wanted like, like glory of like kind of just being naive to yeah what's totally. going on yeah but yeah I'm and i'm also like very interested well first of all like absolutely and that's why i've been looking for someone for almost two years to do this episode with, which was like showing them Star Wars for the first time. Because the first Star Wars movies, I mean, not only one of my absolute favorite movies of all time, it's also one of the most influential pieces of Mm -hmm. art that has ever been made uh, just in the world, you know? And I speak in hyperbole a lot, and that's something I'm working on, but I feel like that's accurate. I feel like this movie is one of the most important, influential pieces of pop culture to ever exist. 100%. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's a little bit where, honestly, the embarrassment of not knowing. I know Stormtroopers. Oh, I see what you're saying. Stormtroopers, I know about. them. Stormtroopers, that's a thing, for sure. They look mighty. (laughs) They do. I'm also like, because, because Star Wars is such a big deal, Everybody has heard of it and yes. everybody knows a little bit about it. Yes. Even without having seen the movie. I was actually I'm actually a little disappointed in how much you know. I was hoping you knew less. <laughs> <laughs> because I want I wanted to watch I want to watch this with someone fresh, you know? Like yeah. I want to experience it yeah. anew. Because the first time right. I saw it was um just so exciting mm-hmm. to me, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. I was like yeah. I was in uh either third or fourth grade. Mm-hmm. Because I, it was the day that I had gone with my mom to her friend's house to buy their old trumpet. <laughs> <laughs> so we bought a trumpet and I brought it home and like sat down with a trumpet in my hands. Try- I didn't know how to make any noise in it. And I was like fiddling with it and trying to make noise. Yeah. And then watched Star Wars. And it was a big day for me. You know, I ended up going to college on a trumpet scholarship and then Star yeah. Wars became like my religion. <laughs> <laughs> that is a big day. My yeah. goodness. So, uh, do you just watched it by yourself or you were with, with your mom and her friend? Uh, we were at my house. My, my mom was home, but I don't think that she was really actively watching. I think it was just me. 
yeah act- actively watching and like people were walking by and shit was it was it your idea were you like i want probably to see star wars well S- star wars was a big deal in my elementary school like a lot of yeah. kids were really into it mm-hmm. and i knew nothing about it and it was actually really embarrassing for me which is so funny <laughs> to think back on now yeah so i know what you're talking about like i had the embarrassment sure. i had the shame of knowing nothing about right. a thing that is popular right which uh now i don't even consider it to be bad at all like now i wear it as a badge of honor what i know what i don't know that's up to me you know i <laughs> what i've seen and haven't seen that's a personal choice yes and if i haven't seen something uh there's nothing wrong with that but if i want to i can see it if i don't care then i won't and that's fine you know absolutely none of that none of this is a big deal beyond the fact that when you experience a piece of pop culture that resonates with you in a really deep way it can become something very valuable in your life yeah so that absolutely that is star wars to me oh my gosh absolutely and that i'm i'm so excited to see it is the other thing i mean this is something i want to see and know more about so so i don't know i mean it's cool it's cool at 28 to be like all right let's hop on board this new adventure (laughs) yeah totally you know i mean not that watching star wars is like this big great epic thing i'm about to do but i don't know it's gonna be good (laughs) it'll be I'm, i'm hoping that it'll just be nice to be plugged into something and under, to, to know what something is that yes. people talk about a lot. Yeah, and I honestly feel like I'll be able to relate to you in a new way, too, which is kind of cool. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Probably. Know. Maybe not. Probably. Because uh. the the idea of the Force is something that I'm very, yeah. ve- very okay. into. Uh, great. Yeah. I want to know which is more some, about We'll that. talk about after we yeah. watch the movie. Great. Um, Good. Yeah. I feel like that's all I wanted to ask you beforehand. I think we should just jump I into it. And, I, you know, I, uh, before we do... Star Wars is, I mean, I'm building it up a lot. People build it up a lot. Yeah. It's like a, it's a, it's an action adventure movie from the seventies. You uh-huh, know, like uh-huh. that's what it is. It's a fantasy space movie. Yeah. Uh, that sounds amazing. Or a space fantasy movie. I don't know. It's a sci-fi fantasy. <laughs> like normally people get, sometimes you see groups of sci-fi fans get upset when sci-fi and fantasy are grouped together in a bookstore. Right. It's like, this is the sci-fi fantasy section when they right. are two distinct they genres. They're very different. They're yeah. very different. Yeah. Like they have different criteria mm-hmm. of what is sci-fi and what is fantasy. Mm-hmm. But Star Wars really is kind of in the middle. Um, it's yeah. kind of like a fantasy in space. So it's got oh, elements of both and it's a wonderful combination of the two. And I think because of that is part of why it's so, uh, what's the word? why it translates so well to so many people uh-huh yeah um, but yeah. it's a very simple movie mm. and it's like it's just fun that's that's the greatness of star wars is it's yeah. fun so well, yeah i'm also yeah. really excited to see like the special effects and just yeah. you know i i, I want to i want to see what kind of movie they they were making then since my other reference point is the force awakens because right. that's like to me that was so visually pleasing and yeah rich and exciting i was just thrilled with the visuals and that so i'm excited to kind of see the where it began yeah totally and on that note i actually downloaded the the despecialized edition of this mm-hmm. movie oh okay because they released a version in 1977 and uh that's the, like the first theatrical version yeah and then when it came out on home video they had already changed something uh so uh-huh. it started as early as like 1978 i guess when it came out on video yeah so originally when it first came out it was just called star wars uh, but then when it came out on video, they added episode four, A New Hope. That was added in later. Uh, uh-huh. George Lucas, as a filmmaker, who's the writer and director of Star Wars, like as yes, a filmmaker. I, I, that one I knew. <laughs> for anyone out there who doesn't know who George Lucas is. Uh, Jorge Lucas. <laughs> Lucas. <laughs> so he's a tinkerer. He's never happy with his finished product. 
And he went back to the Star Wars trilogy several times and changed things. Wow. Uh, the biggest version of that being the special edition of Star Wars, which came out in, I believe, 1997. Hmm. I think, because I think, I think that's right. Uh, somewhere around 97. Mm-hmm. And he added in a whole bunch of new special effects, like digital CG stuff, because mm-hmm. there was no CG at all when the original oh, Star Wars came out. It's just no, all models. No. Yeah. And, uh, Part of the joy of Star Wars to me is the models because yes, yes. well, you'll see that in a second. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was kind of frustrating for a lot of fans, myself included, that George Lucas changed something and kind of maybe made it a little worse. Mm. Like he added in things that uh, he added in deleted scenes um, that didn't necessarily need to be there and changed a couple things that didn't need to be changed and it seemed kind of unnecessary so so what i wanted for you was to have the original experience the original star wars but the problem with that is that only the special edition has been released on blu-ray uh you can't actually find the original movie unless you have uh, an old vhs or if you they released it once on dvd it was like a a bonus feature for another version i have that but i lent it to someone i forgot who and it's been lost for years so i no longer have well i actually have a, a vhs original copy of the original star wars but it's not widescreen, and it would. I don't even have a VHS player. So okay. Uh, so what I did is I found a version online of the despecialized edition, which is this project that was undertaken by a lot of uh, uh, Star Wars fans uh, mm-hmm. who are very technically savvy. They actually mm-hmm. took the Blu-ray version of the special edition and removed the special effects what? using special effects. Oh my gosh! So that's, they, it's wow. amazing. Yeah, that they is, found yeah. like it, there's this amazing documentary about it online. Uh, they found a whole bunch of like they found like a work print of the original or like a theatrical print of the original uh-huh. that they upgraded and they used the VHS, they used the DVD oh release to replace everything that had been changed. Wow. So, uh, so now we have this really high quality version of the original movie right? Uh, or as close effects. to it as you can get. Yeah. And it, this is actually a whole like sub realm of Star Wars fandom that could be a whole episode of talk about. Wow. But long story short, I downloaded the despecialized edition. So what we're gonna watch okay. for all intents and purposes is the original version with the original special effects. Yes. Uh so you can see what happened in nineteen seventy seven. Keeping in mind that Great. this was the first of its kind mm-hmm. dog fights between uh spaceships was not something that had really been shown on the big screen in any sort of convincing way before. Right. George Lucas is a uh, is really interested in like fighter jets and fighter planes. Uh Uh-huh. And he wanted to recreate that in space, so he pushed the special effects team to create new techniques. So uh, most of what you see in this movie is either new techniques or an old technique that's been pushed to a new level for Mm -hmm. special effects. Mm -hmm. And if if you had walked into a theater in 1977, you would have, you know, no one had ever seen anything like it before. And it was like, uh, remember when The Matrix came out and people freaked out about the special effects? Yeah. It was that sort of a thing, uh, but probably even more intense because of the leap from where they had come was so large. Sure. So uh, are you into that kind of thing? Are you into the special effects in movies? Are you interested in that as a, as a thing? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I, sure. I mean, I guess, um, yeah, I definitely notice when they're, uh, especially effective Uh, (laughs) or when they're not. (laughs) Yeah. I I guess I notice more when a special effect feels, I don't, you know, honestly, I'm a little nostalgic that way. I think I, I kind of like the crunchiness of older special Mm -hmm. effects and the, just the, the make believe element of kind of seeing the edges of everything 
is actually doesn't ruin things for me. I think yeah. when it's seamless, it almost feels um, ingenuine sometimes. I don't know. That's sort of a weird thing. I guess it depends on the movie too. But if it, there's something about it not looking perfect that allows you to use your it, it, engage your imagination in a yeah. way that's really cool. And um and when they do movie. the work for you, it's it's when they already kind of cover up all the seams, your imagination doesn't get to work as much, which which may be really enjoyable too in another way. But I, I like I like seeing seeing the yeah. Yeah, I'm totally seams. I'm totally with you on that. So yeah, I I mean I know I'm I'm gonna love this. I'm so excited. I hope so. There's yeah. also no no pressure. Yeah, for you oh to love this. for sure. Actually it's I funny. love you with or without you loving Star Wars. Thanks, Jesse. I want that to be on the record. I really appreciate that. And I feel like that was very after school special and it, <laughs> it means a lot to me. Um I I uh used to be a big fan of the show uh How I Met Your Mother. Uh-huh. <laughs> and there's like a there's an episode where Ted, his girlfriend, has not seen Star Wars, and she he makes her watch it, but she makes him leave the room because he's watching her the whole time, <laughs> and the stakes are so high for yeah. her, you know, that she just feels the pressure of needing to like it, so she makes him leave the room yeah. and let her watch it alone. Yeah. Uh, and then she ends up pretending to like it, but not liking it. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So I will be let me tell you, I'm not gonna do that. If I if it's not my thing, I'll be honest. That's great. The reason I'm so excited to share it with you is because it's a big part of my life and I'd love to be able to talk to you about it from the point of view of how it wove into my own story, you know, as a person. Because it's very it's very interwoven. Yeah. And it's so funny when I started this session, the file session for this podcast, Uh I just called it Star Wars. Yeah. And it made me realize like I'm, this is going to be episode 84, and I haven't done an episode about Star Wars, the first Star Wars. <laughs> I haven't done an episode about The Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi. Yeah. You know, I'm just, I'm thrilled that that's finally happening. And I, and, and I mean, not to, you know, if, 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 if I enjoy it though, I, which I, well, but, um, it'd be cool to keep doing. Oh, these, that's my plan. Go through for the episodes sure. and just. Even if you don't enjoy it, let's keep doing it. Cause I mean, you know, the even the prequels it'd be fun because i yeah yeah b- because right. i hate them so much See, there's a whole controversy about that that i know yeah. exists yeah so, so there's yeah. yeah there's theories about which movies you should and shouldn't watch and yes it'd be fun what to like, order to watch them in totally there's all kinds yeah. of yeah oh yeah. and that reminds me that i made this decision for you so i should at least tell you what's happening yes uh, episode four is the, i decided yeah. to show them to you in release order totally because i agree because i think by far that's the way to do it yes yeah there's some yeah. cool theories out there about like mixing prequels in there and stuff like that or showing because the prequels the story happens before and george lucas wants you to watch those first yeah i'm i'm and taking pre- a stand cool <laughs> yeah i'm taking a stand that if if they are prequels that means that there has to be something to prequel to, so you should yes. watch the that first. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And experience it in the order in which the world was introduced to these stories. Mm-hmm. Because that shaped how the stories were told. Absolutely. So it makes no sense to me to watch it any other way. Well, we're not doing it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you worry. Well. Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. Should we do this thing? Let's get into it. Let's do it. <laughs> Luke Skywalker was just a farm boy until he received a mysterious message from a princess. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. She's beautiful. 
Star Wars, starring Mark Hamill. I'm Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? Harrison Ford. Boring conversation anyway. Luke, we're going to have I think we took a wrong turn. Carrie Fisher. Good luck. Alec Guinness. You can't win, Darth. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. 20th Century Fox presents the most extraordinary motion picture of all time, Star Wars. Here's where the fun begins. No legendary adventure of the past could be as exciting as this romance of the future. Here they come. May the Force be with you in Star Wars. All right, so you just watched Star Wars for the first time. Yeah. How does it feel? Oh, it feels great. It feels really good. Um, yeah, you know, there's so many things to talk about. Um, but I just, off the top of my head, like the first two things that come to mind when I'm saying like, okay, it's time to talk about Star Wars. <laughs> the the Oh, shoot. Oh, I was going to be so cool and remember which one this is. I know it's episode four, but... Uh, A New Hope? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'll cut that part out. You can okay. still sound cool. No, I don't. It's okay. They can know. <laughs> they can know how uncool I am. A New Hope. Yeah, okay. So here's <laughs> here's two things that really stood out to me that um, as like general comments. Yeah. Like first impression comments. Hit me. Which are that... First of all, the pacing was really interesting to me. Um, again, I am definitely still at the beginning of my sci-fi movie-watching journey. Uh -huh. But um, in comparison to the other few sci-fi films I have seen, it's it's really interesting because we were sort of talking about this, but this movie starts out really slow. Like, just... I think that actually speaks to the importance of character development in Star Wars. Like they really want you to Yeah. to know who these people are and and be with it. So but then as we move on into the movie, then suddenly like the last third, all of the action is happening in such a fast pace right. and I, it's just it's it's interesting. It it almost goes so quickly that you kind of are like, "Oh, did they just Okay, so are all of the other jet fighters dead? Like, what's it? You know, like you don't have time to digest as much. Yeah. Um, but you know who the people are, so you're able to kind of identify the action based on who's on screen, what you think their involvement is. Like, you know, so it's an interesting. If there's like Lucas celebrating something good probably happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or I mean, yeah, the uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, I was actually. I mean, I've seen this movie. So many times, mm. so many times. And I've seen it more than almost any movie that I've watched. You know, like Star Wars is one of those movies that I just watch a lot. Yeah. Um, and I still have a new experience every time I watch it. So that's totally OK. So that ties in totally to my next thing that is an yeah. oversweeping comment, which is just that I think there is a richness to it that that is like wine or something, you know, that yeah. it will get better with time with each viewing. It's totally. going to give you something different, especially considering, you know, you're, you've already now seen so much about these characters already to go back and revisit their first appearance yeah. is kind of a cool, I'm excited to do that. And I, 
and watching it, I could, I was, I was trying to imagine, you know, if, if I was watching it when it came out and what I'd be thinking and feeling. And, um, and I think there is absolutely an element to it that you just know is the start of something really big. Hmm. Interesting. You know, there, but it's not, it's not flashy. It's not, you know, it's not as, um, as grand as I, I kind of thought it might be. Yeah. It, it actually is like very, um, the scale of it is very manageable. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, and you know, what's cool about that is that you're, you're hanging out with characters in a universe where the scale is grand, but yes. you're getting a very personalized view of the events of that universe yeah, through yeah, the eyes of just thread. a couple of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, totally. And and but so because of that, because of that exact um, kind of factor, I think you can feel that it's going to go somewhere big because yeah. because this is yeah just a single strand in the story. Yeah, and um, and you can tell that it's going to grow into more. And there's so much not said. Yeah. That's the other really interesting part of this was to watch it and go, okay, I'm going to know this later. I know I'm going to get this information somehow about. <laughs> right. Like you, you know, had a couple spoilers about like Darth sure. Vader being Luke's father, yes. Luke and Leia being brother and sister. And you kept yeah. looking at me during the movie like, wait, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Because like, I was like, wait, sexual Anakin, tension between and them. And also like, okay, who you're like when he's talking about when Obi-Wan is talking about your about, father, yeah. you know, is he talking about Anakin? He references Anakin Skywalker. Skywalker or yeah. but or is he really talking? Does he? I was like, does he know that? His real dad is Darth Vader. Like, you know, I mean, I was just, I, that, that definitely. And I'm not telling you shit no, about No, I know you're not. You, you were definitely <laughs> a few times you're like, I'm not going to tell you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think um, I'm just really excited to wa- continue to watch the other ones. And I'd love to go back and watch that one because um, I think, yeah, there's this entire world of information that I know I'm going to get. Yeah. And that you don't need to have for the first movie, but I kept feeling like I'm like, so should I know dot 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 dot? You know? Yeah. Um. But but if you were watching it for the first time when it came out, you're there's not that question in your mind of like, oh, did I miss something? Is there information I should already know going into it? Like, no. Yeah. You, it's just take because it at it's face impossible. Value. It's impossible at this point in pop culture to see Star Wars in a vacuum. Well, exactly. It was exactly. really only possible yes. for a couple of years in 1977 yeah. and beyond, yeah. you know? Right. Uh, like, I mean, Star Wars was like the biggest deal when it mm. came out. Uh, mm. People just lost their shit because they'd yeah. never seen anything like it before. And t- to me, I think the reason, like the, like, there's so many reasons why Star Wars is great, mm-hmm. but I think what you're touching on is actually for me at the core of it, which mm-hmm. is that the characters are awesome. They, like, yes. You just yes. love everyone, yes. you know? Uh, yeah. Like you start out with just the droids. You start with C-3PO oh. and R2-D2 and they're kind of your guides they're for the beginning of the movie. They're my favorites too. They're amazing. They're, yeah. Don't you call me a mindless philosopher, you overweight glob of grease. Now come on before somebody sees you. Secret mission? What plans? What are you talking about? You've never seen <sighs> any characters that looked like them before on screen yeah, yeah. And there's a couple things that come close like the the android from metropolis was definitely an inspiration for c3po hmm. uh and you can see like i don't know i, I mean i've gone so in depth with all this shit where i've looked at sure. like, art that ralph McQuarrie drew to uh, as like production art you know to uh-huh. kind of design the characters and and beyond and yeah uh, there's like all of it is just so rich and detailed, but really the center of it is that the characters have to be 
human and likable. Mm. I mean, quote unquote human, even though, you know, some of them are not. Uh, But but you just have to feel this like intense connection to the characters Mm -hmm. in order for the story to work. Yes. Because there's so much story that, like you said, that they're not giving you Mm -hmm. that uh, that I you know so much story that George Lucas created originally that just isn't in the movie because he was waiting to tell it later. And then on top of that, so much story that has become part of the expanded universe Mm -hmm. and there are now decades worth of novels and comic books and all this other shit that is like some of it's part of the star Wars canon. And then it was removed from the canon and now is not part of the canon because Disney's redoing that. But that's a whole other conversation, but (sighs) it's just become this like gigantic behemoth galaxy Mm -hmm. where it's just all so detailed. Yeah. And I think you're right that the first movie doesn't tell you much of, of any of it. No. But what it does tell you is fascinating and you can see that the rest of it's happening. Yes. Because the world is so detailed. Yes. And I think that is really unique. Yeah. Uh and yeah. I think a lot of other movies have tried to do that. Uh, but I think Star Wars is maybe the most successful at just showing you presenting a, a lived in universe mm. to you where like the ships are damaged, the droids are dirty. Yeah. Uh people live in the dirt. <laughs> yes, right, right. Uh, yeah. yeah. And there's no um There's really actually very few references to what it was like before that or how they got there. Like there's none, none of the story is feeling like it's set up to tell us that yet. You know, it's, it's, they just say before the dark times, before the empire, right? which there's incident. And that's the, all the detail you get. That's all you need though. And that is all you need. Absolutely. Um, like definitely something called the clone wars. Sure. Right. But (laughs) that's all you need, but partially because this is the first in a, Serious. I, I think if if this if I if it was like that, A New Hope was the only one that ever came out. Yeah, I'd be pretty upset. Like, yeah, <laughs> obviously not not just because like okay, obviously, um, then the rest of the Star Wars movies wouldn't happen. But but as someone that hasn't really seen any of the other ones, um, and except for well, except for the Force Awakens, but you know, I have a lot of questions. Yeah. and and if I was somebody that was seeing that and didn't know that there were going to be answers to those questions, I would be pretty, pretty upset. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So, um, so I'm, yeah, I think that also added to the element of like, this is going to become something massive. Yeah. So for you, it, it seems like it felt like, uh, how reserved it like was. a good start to something. Yes. Yeah. Yes. A, oh, an incredible yeah. start to something. Um, yeah, I, I'll be, I'll be interested as we continue to watch for me to, f- well, first of all, to develop, because I'm assuming people that watch Star Wars, they usually have their favorites, you know, yeah. their favorite ones within the series. And um, so I'm, I'm interested to see what mine is going to be. And I also kind of am interested to look at it from a point of view of like, do any of these movies stand alone? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's so you know? interesting you say that. So the first one, A New Hope or just Star Wars, let's just call it Star Wars. Star Wars. Yeah. If you want to be a purist, yeah. you just call it. Star Wars. Unfortunately, that's really mm. confusing and no one knows what you're talking about, but <sighs> but that's a thing that's out there. So, oh, okay. in the first Star Wars, uh the idea so okay, let me back up a couple steps and tell you some of the history here because I think it's fascinating. So, okay. George Lucas actually wrote a, a an outline of a saga, of an entire saga having to do with um like the Jedi and the Sith, the bad, the bad Jedi are called Sith. They don't even say that in this movie, but uh, oh. Darth Vader is actually a dark Lord of the Sith. 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 Yeah. Sith. Uh, S-I-T-H. Oh, Sith. Dark Lord of the Sith. 
So George Lucas just outlined this entire story. And in the middle of that story was uh, where Luke Skywalker comes into the story uh, in the middle somewhere. <laughs> like uh-huh. he wrote this backstory yeah. about about the old Republic. Right. And then the Empire uh, takes over. And then you have this like new the new hope basically is uh-huh. that the empire will be destroyed and you know there's these new yes. heroes that come up that maybe will be a part of that right. uh so so the legend of star wars is that george lucas had anywhere between six and nine movies outlined at the very beginning mm-hmm. um this is all open to a lot of conjecture because he's actually contradicted himself on how many movies he'd planned originally. Uh, originally, <laughs> okay. he's like, yeah, I'm going to make like this sprawling thing. And he's like, no, it's just going to be three. It's just going to be three. And then you know, like 15, 20 years later, he's like, well, I'm going to make the first three, like the prequels, episodes one, two, and three. Yes. And I always plan to do that. And I never plan to go beyond six, but he is on record at some point saying he was going to make nine. Huh. Okay. Uh, wow. So, yeah. So it's all very convoluted and confusing, mm-hmm. but I think what is... I think what's undeniably true is that he wrote a big chunk of story. He outlined a lot, whether or not like how detailed that was and how much he knew is up for debate, but he outlined a lot. And then he tried to find a place in that outline where he could make one standalone film because Mm -hmm. he was worried he'd never be able to make another. So Star Wars was his attempt to tell a self-contained story that would want people, would make people want to see more and hopefully get the opportunity to make more. But it was designed to be standalone beginning middle and end which is why it ends with this celebratory you know awards ceremony sure (laughs) so it has a feeling of climax so anyway so he did intend that to be a standalone story so i find it very interesting that uh that for you it like works better as a first thing than as a standalone thing yeah for me it does i think partially because i guess i'm not used to a standalone movie being well, it's really hard to disassociate it from, right, from being the part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but usually in a standalone movie, I feel like when there's a vernacular, a vocabulary that is basically solely within the world of the movie, yeah, there is more time spent on explaining that. And but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just haven't seen enough sci-fi. Um, but I I feel like, yeah, there's usually fewer mysteries at, by the, at the end of the movie. Right. In a standalone movie. Right. But, but it didn't need to answer any of the questions that it didn't answer. So in that way, it to- yeah, I could see exactly what you're saying. It didn't leave anything out where you're going, I have no idea what just happened. Yeah. Um, it's 100% yeah. open for a sequel. Like, no yes. question yes. that he left it open for a sequel on purpose. Well, and the ending, actually, it's interesting as you're saying this, because to me, the way it ended was so weird. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, And I don't know how to explain it. Um. It felt like it it came in for the landing, uh-huh. and then it kind of just like showed you the ride down the jetway a little bit. <laughs> like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like as opposed to ending where you like the wheels touch the ground and the sunset fades and whatever. This is all obviously a flying metaphor, but <laughs> in case you were like, what wheels? Um, it like it's like the the plane of the movie touches ground, and then we just kind of like watch it run down the jetway for a little bit like there was something about um the scene where 
you see all of the Rebel Alliance and and uh, Princess Leia on the platform and them getting their honor. Yeah, that felt. Um, I don't know. I've, it's like an interesting settling. Like I don't know. Like maybe they uh, needed an end, and that's it, it's. They're trying to manufacture an ending in an ongoing story because it yeah. really is an ongoing story well, and it was designed as such. Like, yeah. I guess it did feel because I know there's so much more to come. Yeah, it felt so oddly, and they lived happily ever after. I guess totally. that's kind of the yeah the thing I agree I'm with trying you. to explain, and, but not very. And I think that well. that I think George Lucas only did that because. He was very afraid he'd never get to make another movie. Sure. In the Star Wars universe. I feel like if no more Star Wars movies had ever come out, that it would still be a classic. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Because it's just great. You know, it's just oh, kind yeah. of undeniably great. Yeah. Um, yes. But I, but I do. I mean, I'm, I'm, of course, like, I would never, ever want to live in a world where Star Wars was a standalone movie. Like, no, I, no, no, the, no. The original Star Wars trilogy is is revered you know yeah. it's like revered in in pop culture circles for being just one of the most fun enjoyable trilogies of all time yeah. it's called like the holy trilogy a lot yeah. even though the, a lot of people take issue with stuff that happens in return of the jedi the third one but mm-hmm. we'll we'll get there eventually yeah <laughs> um yeah, yeah. so i also want to say about what you're saying about the pacing mm-hmm. uh which is something that i was really thinking about this viewing uh it's interesting when you watch something with someone else, I mm-hmm. feel like sometimes you can kind of pick up what they're thinking, Yeah, which is why I love watching movies that I am have adored for years with mm-hmm. someone who's never seen them. Mm-hmm. So I was actually thinking about, man, this is like so fastly, fastly, so fast paced at the end because they yeah. really stretch out the character introductions. They really stretch out the time that you spend on Tatooine, which is the, uh, the desert planet yes. in the beginning. Yes. But after you escape the Death Star... When they go to the rebel base yeah. and then they prepare for the attack on the Death Star, right. they skip a lot. Woo! It's yeah. very like it's very <laughs> hard to tell how much time has actually passed. Oh uh, yeah. Because when Luke is up in space during the 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 Death Star battle, mm-hmm. he's talking to all of the other pilots, the other X Wing and Y Wing pilots, as if he knows them. Like he's in Red Squadron, um, he's Red Five, and he he's very familiar with the other Red Squadron pilots, mm. and. That just means like some time has passed course, and he's gotten sure. to know people and right. they've like settled in to this, to being a part, like Luke has settled into being a part of the rebellion. Yes. Maybe over the course of a day or something that we just don't see. Yeah. Which is really interesting uh, when you get to that final battle. So it really feels like they kind of rushed from escaping the Death Star to trying to get to the end of the movie. Yeah. Uh, also because the movie was it's like two hours long and they're running out of time yeah. and there's a lot of story to tell. Yeah, I also feel like it makes sense that especially with Luke's character that his progression, his the speed of his dedication and his story would be very quick because he's lost everything. Yeah. He has nothing else other than, than this, 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 fight. this fight and these yeah. people that have come into his life. Um, yeah. So I feel like the pace of that would be quickly and he would very quickly be immediately on board because he has nothing else. What's his other option? Right. You'll have to sell your speeder. That's okay. I'm never coming back to this planet again. The other thing I was thinking about this viewing that I'd never really thought about before is that Luke kind of takes to killing with ease. Have you ever, did you think about that? I did. I actually thought about how so many, I mean, almost every single one of the main characters kills somebody. Yeah. Um, and Which is so un-Star Trek. 
<laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. 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 But that, you know, there are heroes, but that it's it's a little weird because um the stormtroopers, I think partially because of the way they're dressed. Yeah. Don't feel like people. Right. But they are. Right. And um I mean, for all of those red laser beams that are being shot around, a lot of those stormtroopers go down and not a single one of the main characters does, which is really interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's that, actually... We were talking about that. I was kind of saying, like, it's very hard to believe that none of them got <laughs> even hit, like grazed right. in the arm or, you know what I mean? Totally. It is. <laughs> it's very hard to believe. And that yeah. bothered me upon first viewing. But sure. uh, oh, you're, it yeah. seems like it may have been orders to right. not kill anyone yes that's like, right that's right we, that's right you were saying that yeah that they not, had to get off it's not made explicitly clear tra- like they definitely tracked. they definitely wanted them to escape like yeah. grand moff tarkin and darth yes. vader wanted yes. the crew of the millennium falcon to grand escape Ma tarkin. grand moff tarkin yeah, yeah. um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's a grand moff but they refer to him as governor uh-huh and i actually just read catalyst which was an expanded universe novel Okay. For is kind of attached to Rogue One, the the most recent Star Wars movie to come out. Uh huh. And it said in there that he used to be a governor, and it was kind of a a term of endearment that was still used, even though he'd gotten promoted to Grant to to Moff at <laughs> yeah. that point in the book, which I thought was so cool because yeah. uh, I never really thought about the fact that that didn't make sense. You know, <laughs> they, they call him Governor in the movie, but he's a Grand Moff. They right. never call him Grand Moff in the movie, but it says Grand Moff Tarkin on my action figure, so that's what I'm going by. Heck yeah. Are there way? They'll just make the jump into hyperspace. You're sure the homing beacon is secure aboard their ship? I'm taking an awful risk, Vader. This had better work. Part of the history of Star Wars is that the first cut was very long mm. and apparently very boring and stupid. <laughs> oh no! Like there were there were people like neck, uh, you know, studio executives who watched the movie and were like, "Oh my god, this is a disaster!" Like Whoa. when it was being made, people thought that it was crazy. Uh, you know, the guy who played Obi Wan Kenobi, um, Alec Guinness, mm-hmm. sort of famously thought that the movie was like really stupid when he was on set. And wow. was really kind of embarrassed to be a part of it. Wow. And early cuts of the movie looked like it was going to be really bad. Yeah. So what ended up happening is that the decision was made to cut the movie way tighter and do super fast edits mm. for the action sequences, which actually kind of became the Hollywood norm and is what gives this mov- the movie such a frenetic sense of movement. Because mm. when you get to the second half of the movie, like, as soon as they get to the Death Star, the movie is just non-stop adventure mm. you know yeah and apparently that was something that was done in the editing that really tightened up the movie and kind of turned this corner where it went from being sort of a bizarre passion project yeah. into being like a true classic wow wow that's fascinating yeah uh everything's under control situation normal what happened uh hit a slight weapons malfunction but uh everything's perfectly all right now we're fine we're all fine here now thank you how are you? I guess the other thing that this movie does that I love is it it sets up its aesthetic, yeah, and its world very distinctly and very quickly, and you yeah. and you know exactly like where you are. Yeah, you know? it gives you like um, just a little bit of backstory and yeah. then throws you into the action. Yeah, but even just with that, I mean, that iconic kind of rolling credit that's expanding off into the universe yeah. as it goes. Um, like that's that's imagery 
that I, as someone who has never seen Star Wars, I completely associated with Star Wars. I, I think I've seen parodies. Yeah. Actually, backing up one step, the first thing that you see is a long time ago in a galaxy far, 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 far away. away. Yeah. I think that's like so evocative. It's amazing. It's yeah. I, I think um, it instantly sets you up uh, to let you know that you're going to need you're going to be using. Your... <laughs> Hold on. I just got attacked by a kombucha scoby. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was like a wow. That was fun to watch. Um <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what I think attack it of the you killer up. kombucha scoby <laughs> playing only in Seattle and Portland <laughs> okay yeah so um so yes so what I think that does is it tells you to like go to the mental space of a of a kid imagining and hearing a story yeah, you know, like it's totally. like the once like upon a once time, upon a time in a land far, far away. Yes, yeah, and and you know that 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 whatever that ignites in you when you're a kid when you hear a story begin that way, it's kind of the same idea, and it kind of makes you go there in your mind, and then it has this whole history of what's kind of going on, but very quickly, um, a very brief cliff notes, if you will, but um, something I mentioned to you actually as as it was rolling was. The only name we hear is Princess Leia. Princess Leia. And I, I think it's that, very cool that it's a woman's name that we that the very first thing yeah. we know is that a female character is basically saving the first the hero yeah, of our story. The only hero mentioned in the opening crawl is Princess Leia, mm-hmm, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Darth Vader might be mentioned by name, but let's oh. let's pull it up actually. And I mean I want to talk more about her too because she's <laughs> incredible. Um and I was like trying to think if I had watched this as a like a little kid, I would have been like, "Oh, I want to be her. <laughs> totally want to be her." Totally, yeah, she's amazing. That I was yeah. also very struck by her on this viewing. I've always loved Princess Leia, mm. but through doing the podcast and just being a little more critical of the things that I watch because I'm talking about them critically on the show, yeah, uh, I've become so much more aware of how few great female characters there are yes and there's really only one woman in in the whole movie yeah which is kind of terrible but she's amazing like she is not even close to being a damsel in distress no which is great because she's literally the princess who's been like taken away by the evil the evil lord right, Darth Vader, right, you know, yeah, and, and has to be rescued. The structure of the story would make you think that that's what you're in for, but it's not at all. Yeah, but it's like as soon as they show up to rescue her, she takes command of her own rescue mission, yeah. and it's fucking awesome. Yeah, and yeah, it's, I, I love it for sure. Governor Tuck, I should have expected to find you holding Vader's leash. I recognized your foul stench when I was brought on board. Charming to the last. Okay, so the opening crawl. It is a period of civil war. Oh, I should put music behind this while I while I do it. I will later. And then I have to sp- I have to Let's see. I'm going to do it in an exciting voice. Here we go. Star Wars, episode 4, A New Hope. It is a period of civil war. Rebel spaceships striking Is this distracting if I say it like that? Too much, not enough. <laughs> I I got I, you're you're going with like the old time radio announcer um yeah sound um try maybe like movie guy voice okay you know it is a period of civil war <laughs> maybe, maybe not movie guy voice who's been soaking ten packs a day since he was thirteen 
It is a period of civil war. Try this. Try to talk like this. Here, you read it. (laughs) (laughs) How do you... Okay. (laughs) This is a lot of pressure. It is a period of civil war. Nice. Rebel spaceships, striking from a hidden base, have won their first victory against the evil of Galactic Empire. There's no of. Oh, my God. There's no of. (laughs) Wait, you can take the evil Galactic Empire. During the battle, rebel spies managed to steal secret plans to the Empire's ultimate weapon, the Death Star. Yeah. An armored space station with enough power to destroy an entire planet. How's that? Was that good? That, that felt was good. dead on. That. that was killer. Uh, pursued by... <laughs> now do it in the exact opposite voice of what you were just doing. Pursued by the Emperor's... <laughs> pursued by the Empire's sinister agents... Princess Leia races home. I should do it races as... Uh, what's that actor's name? Um, I don't know. Uh, that guy who's like, oh my, don't you know? <laughs> Pursued by the Emperor's sinister agents, Princess Leia races home aboard her starship, don't you know? Custodian of the plans that can save her people and restore freedom to the galaxy. <laughs> I don't know who that is, but he's adorable. Uh, he, he does a lot of voices in old Disney movies. Oh. What is his name? I don't remember. Uh, but no, they don't. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, the only the person only mentioned by name here. is Princess Leia. That's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, do you have questions about about the backstory or like the setup of the story as mentioned in, in the opening crawl? Uh, you mean questions that I feel like I should know? Did it like, I, yeah. Do you have like a good sense of the, of like the galactic oh, political situation? Uh, yeah. Um yeah yeah it's pretty simple definitely it's civil, very simple civil war there's an empire people yeah. are fighting against it there are rebel spies yeah yeah i mean that's yeah that i think it gives you totally what you need and you know what i really like is that uh there's like the line where luke says you know of the rebellion against the empire yeah but the organization is actually known as uh the rebel alliance yeah um or just the rebellion you mm-hmm. know or the rebels and it's it's cool that like when I hear the word rebels, I think of Star Wars, you know, when I hear rebellion, <laughs> I, I have these warm feelings because I just think about this band of misfits coming together to overthrow evil, you know? <laughs> so uh, I, I really like that, like, you know, the name of the organization is actually what their function is. Sure. If that makes sense. Yeah. I think that's kind of cool. Right. It would be like, if this was a story about cobblers then yeah they would be the shoemakers of america <laughs> or just like the cobbler's alliance the cobbler's alliance yeah <laughs> you, you get everything you need yeah out of the name exactly. you're like we know what you're doing yeah you're cobbling so uh so the beginning of the movie <laughs> so the movie starts uh yeah. <laughs> the first thing you see is this rebel blockade runner that is running away from an imperial star destroyer so you have this little ship yes. being chased by a gigantic ship Right, but you still don't necessarily know. The thing is, when you start with ships, you don't know which side is the rebellion and which totally. side is. The, and I think I even said, I said, okay, who are the good guys? Are yeah. they the ones shooting the. But I mean, we did hear that she just stole the plans. So you can guess that they're going after her and not the reverse. Yeah. So, I, once you once you meet characters 
Like the first shot where you see R2-D2 and C-3PO. Running. Yeah, they're running from something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's pretty yeah. obvious that yeah. they are the good guys. But then uh, I remember the moment that the stormtroopers broke through mm-hmm. and, and run in. You're like, okay, they're the bad guys. Yeah. Which I really... Something else about Star Wars that's so iconic is that you can just look at anyone and really know if they're a good or a bad guy. Sure. Just through the, the costume design. It's so, yeah. it's so clear and simple. Yeah. And... Uh, and effective mm-hmm. in so many different ways, but mm-hmm. I feel like that's a really good one. Yeah. Um. So we meet R two and C three PO, and then we meet Darth Vader. We meet Princess Leia. They're mm-hmm. trying to get those plans. Uh. The the plans to the Death Star. Like the plans to the Death Star are, are considered the MacGuffin of the movie. Have you yeah. Have you heard that term before, MacGuffin? Uh. No. So in I was saying yeah to something else, but it's usually me. used in like action adventure movies. It's it's like a plot device that's usually a physical thing. Okay. That's kind of the the thing that the story revolves around. Like in Indiana Jones Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh like the Ark itself is kind of the MacGuffin. Sure, okay. Um or in like Lord of the Rings, it's the ring. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And in The Force Awakens, uh Luke's the map to Luke Skywalker is the MacGuffin. So huh. it's a, uh, it's a similar type of thing where there's like a, a, like data, like data that's being transported somewhere where we need to find, uh, like a way to get this data safely to the people who can use it. It's Wait, a very similar the thing. The map to Luke Skywalker. Yeah. So in the force awakens, there's like this, oh, this map to where I, yes, Luke went. I'm remembering that now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Which doesn't get filled in until like the last third of the movie or the last, like very close to the end of the movie uh-huh. where they find out where he is. Yes. Uh, so. Yeah, I remember. And he yeah. turns around and it's very dramatic. Exactly. He, look like, he looks like a shepherd or something. <laughs> yeah. Or um, a Jedi, maybe. You know, there's some similarities. There are some similarities. In there. Um, yeah. I felt like uh, it was interesting, too, because the only thing I know about you know who princess leia is immediately you're like okay that's the chick they were just talking about in the opening scroll um and when you see her like uh feeding that well basically that video image of her into she's like recording r2d2 right exactly i actually thought it was her putting the plans to the ship into him she did Oh, she, she did. She put the plans to the Death Star. They're on a little oh, card. Oh, yeah. She puts okay. them into R2 and he like, yeah. and like puts it into his Oh, memory. so I did. And then she recorded a message after yeah, saying. Which we don't even realize until only... we see the message. Oh, and it was right. kind of clear that that's when it was recorded. Yeah. Because she's like wearing the same outfit and standing in, like in front of R2. I mean, I've right. always assumed that that's when she recorded the message was when she was putting the plans in there. Yeah. Yeah. Right before she was captured. Well, because you see her at the end of it, kind of like looking to the left, and exactly, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like she yeah. and, and being, you can tell something, someone's coming. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So right. So it, that was really cool. I was always saying R two D two reminds me of it's uh, whenever he would plug into things, it's like <laughs> you'd be just instantly like a USB. Like, yeah. I'm like, he's like the early version. Totally. Or well, the late version, the the more advanced version of a USB. It's funny. Yeah. That it's, <laughs> that, um, that something that was created before we had USBs. Yeah. Is actually a more advanced version of a yeah, USB. Yeah. That's actually a very common in science fiction. Yeah. Uh, so in Star Trek, the original communicators looked exactly like flip phones. Oh and my gosh. No wow. one, had, I mean, cell phones didn't exist. Yeah. So. Right. Uh, cell phones are oftentimes directly attributed to uh, being inspired by Star Trek to kind of create the technology. There was something in Star Trek called a pad, which was just like a little rectangle where you could bring up any information you wanted. It was basically an iPad. Yeah. And I mean, as far as I know, iPad was named after that device. Uh, So 
Yeah, I mean, you see that a lot. It's like people reach their imagination forward yes. into what they want to have exist, and then people see it yes. and are inspired by it and yeah. then create it. Yeah, they, the the the, techn- the imagination precedes the technology. Yeah, yeah. I totally forgot. I, we were. I was asking about a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah. And I forgot to ask you some questions about that that I wanted to ask you because that's oh. actually. Okay. I remember the first time I saw this movie. Yes. Uh, that phrase got stuck in my mind because I'm like, well, they're human, but it's not anywhere near here, and they're very far away. Ah, yes. And I just had to kind of place that into my suspension of disbelief, where it has remained ever since. <laughs> Uh, but I think it's a really interesting concept that these people that look human and are at times referred to as being human, yeah, um, like human beings yeah. that are not from Earth no. uh, and supposedly come from somewhere very far away very long ago. I think that's really fascinating. What a cool what a cool place to set your story in a place that doesn't quite even make sense as far yeah. as the real world is concerned because it makes right. it feel like it's just otherworldly to me god that's so funny i didn't even realize that i was totally thinking about this movie as happening in the future yeah it's it's totally the past but it's we are explicitly told that it is a long time ago but or maybe maybe it's uh maybe this movie is made for the the people of the future from the movie where uh it's like a it's like a retelling of the heroics of Luke Skywalker yeah. to people in the future in that universe. Maybe that message is not meant for us at all, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I've always assumed that that message was meant for the human earthling audience of, of modern times. Well, like, I, I, this yeah. story takes place a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away Yeah, in relation to it, you and I. Right. It's funny because... I know the force is something we really want to talk about and and I'm really excited to ask you questions about that, but it's actually reminding me that this does seem almost like, um, a religious story Yeah, that, you know, that, that the religion of whatever the people are of that galaxy, that this is like their, their old Testament, you know, like this is, (laughs) uh, this story is, is their, are is basically people filled with a type of faith or a type of um higher power yeah uh, and um and struggling to rise above it and that's very true i mean the force is literally referred to as a religion <sighs> yeah i mean it makes movie. sense i mean yeah. it definitely feels like one yeah. um so you're the of... only one left of your old religion or something like that uh-huh. uh, grand moff tarkin says that to darth vader you my friend are yes. all that remains of of the ancient religion or something like right that. Yeah. yeah it's it's interesting um <laughs> yeah there was actually a lot of parallels uh with i mean what i love is that though it's it's a complete it's not like referencing the bible i mean it's not yeah. it's a completely other story other world it's not like with um the lion the witch and world wardrobe where it's like a story that's kind of an allegory for more religious themes, you right. know, that this is its own thing, but you could see it serving that purpose to a completely different society in another. Absolutely. Yeah. If, if anything, it's actually based off of the hero's journey, mm-hmm. uh, like the monomyth hero's oh, journey. Oh, sure. As, as yeah. Very written about Odyssey at length or, by, yes. um, by, uh, was named Joseph Campbell, I think. Um, yeah, Joseph Campbell. So George Lucas is on the record many times saying that Joseph Campbell's, writing about the hero's journey is explicitly what inspired star Wars. And he wanted to write something within the hero's journey that would be for a modern audience Mm -hmm. that would resonate in the way that something like the Odyssey would Homer. Yeah. 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 And uh, so like the whole idea of 
a hero with extraordinary abilities, mm-hmm. uh, a mentor figure. Mm-hmm. The hero has this call to action that he initially refuses, but then tragedy kind of forces him into it or yeah. some big event forces him into it. Yeah. The mentor dies. So the, the hero figure is left alone and the hero figure rises up and, you know, defeats the enemy. It, yeah. it is 100%. It fits inside of that. Yeah. Joseph Campbell monomyth. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. love that. I think that's fantastic. And it, yeah. And, it, and it's, yeah, it, it does. It hits all those points. The Jedi are extinct. Their thought has gone out of the universe. You, my friend, are all that's left of their religion. So Princess Leia puts the plans into R2, and then R2 and C-3PO get into the escape pod. Yeah. Uh, and then there's that moment where the Imperial Guards are like, oh, should I destroy the escape pod? It's like, no, there's... No human life forms. No human life forms. Or no life forms at all. Yeah, exactly. Which yeah, seemed... Which, is... um, which seemed... Like, how much does a, a turbo laser shot cost? Like, they should have just shot it down. I'm glad they didn't, but it seemed yeah. like a strange choice. It did, especially considering they're living in a world where droids are, yeah, you know, omnipresent. Yeah, so it's yeah. like you know, that the, that they wouldn't have thought of that is kind of an interesting yeah, thing. Um, totally. But it hinges on them not getting shot down, so yeah. I'm glad that they didn't. But, yeah, it, I mean, there are a few moments like that where you kind of go, huh. But I mean, that happens in history, the oversights right. like that, you know, I mean, that is that's that seems accurate to what can happen in a yeah. time of war, you know. Well, so I actually have a theory about this, um, because first of all, like all stormtroopers are just terrible shots, like notoriously <laughs> bad shots. Uh, and then it seems like Imperial officers are just kind of dumb. You know, it's like they're in a corporate structure where they take no personal responsibility for anything. So why take action? Because it's not their responsibility. Right. uh, Except for the people at the top. So Mm -hmm. I think that's part of it. Sure. But then there's also this recurring theme in all Star Wars movies that the good guys seem to have better luck uh, than the bad guys. And that maybe, just maybe the force is responsible for that. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Maybe there is a... um, that maybe the force itself mm-hmm. w- has an agenda of some kind. Well, it's like the idea of destiny or, you yeah. know, things happening for a reason or, you know, I mean, it's kind of like things work out the way they're supposed to work out because the force yeah. is kind of allowing to that, that to happen. Yeah. Like um, the, the force seems to be all about, well, the prequels actually go into this a little bit more that the force seems to be all about balance, hmm. uh, that the balance of good and evil is actually really important for the galaxy, mm. which I think is a really cool idea. The original movies, it kind of seems like the force is um, wants to balance towards good. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but that, even in Empire Strikes Back, we're going to talk. We're going to talk a lot more about this uh, hmm. because uh, you know Luke is. I, I don't think it's really a spoiler to say that Luke expands his relationship with the force as the films go along mm-hmm. uh so we'll get to learn more about that but the force is not solely good well, well uh, i guess it's not darth definitely vader not has darth the vader force. Yeah. yeah which yeah. is like i think actually as a parallel to religion i think that is sort of where star wars has uh, has us beat a little bit because um most of the religions, not all of the religions, um, I don't feel like I'm probably not an authority enough on all world religions to say this, but at least, you know, a lot of the religions I know anything about um, do kind of put God as this good 
good thing, this good yeah. force, right? That it's kind of purely good. And, and the bad things that happen are either a result of the devil or like the opposite and equal force or um, a result of like humans uh, going against what God's wishes are or whatever it may be. But I think it makes so much more sense that 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 God or or the source of the universe or whatever, the, the force, higher, higher the higher power, power yeah. be something that isn't good or bad. It's, right. it's, it's just, how you use it. Yeah, exactly. It's how you channel and how you, and, and, you know, when people are in times of religious crisis with them, often they say, why would God, why would God let this happen? Why would God let a child get cancer? Why would, you know, that, that, um, that is like for people that are very religious and I was growing up. So I relate to this. I would ask myself like that would, that's a big pivotal question of why do bad things happen if God is watching us and, 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 um, and the idea that God isn't like just this singular human mind, right. That gets to decide good, bad. I'm going to make this happen because this person, you know, that the God is more of a energy or a force. Yeah. And, um, you know, it doesn't have decisions of good and bad and chooses bad or good. It just, it, it just is, it just is. And it's, and it's actually the people that tap into that can either bend it in a positive or a negative way. That 100%. makes so much more sense to me. And that's actually exactly what you just described is kind of foundational for my view of the world, you know, <laughs> yeah. and a lot of it informed by Star Wars. Like when I say that Star Wars is my religion, I'm, I'm joking, but, <laughs> but my, my own personal spirituality and the way that I look at the world yes. is very informed by, uh, by the force in this movie mm-hmm. and in the Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. And all, I mean, sure, in Return of the Jedi, but they definitely do things with the force that I don't like as much in the prequel trilogy, which I, I hope that we get to someday so I can talk to you about this. But yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah it seems, so it, as far as this movie presents it, it seems like the Force is uh, something that anyone could tap into if they want to. Yeah, but I like that. that some people have a natural affinity for it. So yes. the Force is strong with you means right. that the Force could be weak with someone else. Sure. And then we have Han Solo who just doesn't even believe in the Force. Right. Uh, when even when he's it's like happening in front of him, like yeah. he's watching Luke uh, battle that remote and uh, with his like with the blast shield down yeah, on his yeah. helmet, so he can't see anything, and he still like deflects the the shots from the remote. And right. Han Solo still says that it's just luck, even though it's obviously not luck. Yeah. So he's such a great skeptic uh-huh. character. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. The, when even when something is presented to him, he won't believe it if it doesn't fit in his worldview. And his worldview is very jaded and kind of sour yeah which i love oh it you it's it's great it's it provides such a a cool texture to the yes to the to the group to the group yeah um but yeah i mean what i like is that idea that anyone could tap into it but but does it contradict that later does it not follow through um that do you want me to tell you specifically or no just well, they, they they added that it's it's that it's so episode only one people can tap into the episode force. one's adds like a genetic component okay to whether or not the force is strong with you oh. and it infuriated me it actually made me like depressed huh. yeah. <laughs> because it's like it's kind of the antithesis of how uh of what the force meant to me personally sure because of what I took from it from how it was presented right so they presented it in a, in a little bit more of a specific way that I think diminishes the the power of the concept i I complete there's something about the ambiguity that's 
that's, that's really yeah. great because it's like yeah. Taoism. Like the uh, sure the Tao is the way. Mm-hmm. It's not something that you can define. No, uh, I, I think Taoism is a is a beautiful religion. I mean, like yeah. Taoism in its in its original purest form was that. Uh, the idea was that there is a higher power that mm-hmm. we don't understand and mm-hmm. we need to make room for that in our lives and account for that in our lives mm-hmm. and try to follow the path of that if we can tap into it. Mm. But we don't know what it is. We cannot define it and it would be wrong to try. Yeah. And I think that's a beautiful idea. Totally. Like the Because it gives you a sense of humility for, for your own place in the world to say that there is something higher than yeah. me that I don't understand. So, But I, I can try to live my life in a way that kind of flows with this uh, this feeling that there is something higher that I can sense, you know, yeah, I, which totally. I feel all the time. Uh, I completely agree. I feel like, um, yeah, the only part of it that is tough is the, that it would be wrong to try because because um, I, I don't think it's bad if someone wants to try to define what that is for themselves. Um, but, sure. But yeah. maybe but maybe that you don't have to. You don't have to try if 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 you feel it and you you know. Yeah, I think the idea is that if you ever say like the Tao is this, then you're ah. closing off the possibilities of yes. the other things that it yes. could be. Yes, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah, I, totally. You know, I I don't know enough about Taoism to to really give you an accurate representation because uh, I you know I learned about it in college when I did my religious studies minor, uh-huh. and it was the one world religion that I was the most attracted to. I would say, yeah, it, but I'm not like a religious person, so I did sure. I don't feel the need to kind of study any particular religion. But mm-hmm. I love reading about all of them because the the constant is that people are trying to describe a higher power. Yes, that's the constant. You know, everyone has different words for. Uh, for whatever it is that is, you know, outside of our consciousness that we feel. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people call that God. Yeah. And to me, it feels more accurate to call it the force. Yeah, you know? I, I completely know. I actually, I completely agree. I think also because the force feels wide and massive and yeah. um, permeating and God feels singular. Right. And that to me doesn't, you know, like a single source doesn't make sense to me in that way. Um, but yeah, I think um, it's funny because the only things that I know about Taoism is through uh, creative things uh, because a lot of artists uh write about parallels between creating whether it's writing or making music and um the practices of like how to get in tune with a higher power through Taoism. So, so like the way to get in tune with your own creativity is yes. kind of the same. Yeah, because pathway. it's the, because in Taoism yeah. I think I, I and I again I could be wrong, but what I've read the little I know is that it's all about the creative force. Um, I love that. Yeah. So I think that's it, it, awesome. the creative, yeah, the source of creation yeah. or, or it's that, that, yeah, that part of that energy is, is an energy that creates. So totally. yeah. 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 Which is why I've never really felt the need to be religious or to kind of uh, attach to any particular religion, because I feel this incredible sense of wonder mm-hmm. and of, of a higher power when I make music, when I create anything. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like it comes from you something outside of you a combination i feel like my best music is when uh i find like the kernel of an idea that is something that i want to do and then i try to open myself up to uh like the the purest way to make it Mm. so um and so oftentimes those sparks of idea come feel like they come from somewhere else Mm -hmm. like um 
I mean, it's not, you know, like, my song Elliot is a good example where mm-hmm. the line, you know, Elliot, I feel your pain just popped into my head one day. And this whole song about like empathy popped into my head with it, just yeah. kind of a feeling of what the song would be like. Yeah. And um, obviously that came from me because I'm a huge fan of E.T., but... <laughs> But at the same time, I feel like the the creative impulse to to tell a story about empathy through song mm. came from somewhere else. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like that was like a bigger thing that I needed to do because I it's like it's like that was part of the force that I became attuned to. Yeah. And I think that all things, you know, all ideas kind of like exist, you know, mm-hmm. and there's just so many ideas out there and so many people have different ideas. But uh, two people could filter the same idea through them and it would come out differently. Totally. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I actually kind of, so I guess the long story short, I don't know. Uh, and yeah. I like not knowing yeah. because uh, my own creative process is, feels very, um, it's like very deep inside of me. Like if I want to find the place that's going to write songs that I love or tell a really great story, uh, I have to kind of get like shred through like layers and layers of ego and (laughs) self to get down to something that's just pure that where my ego is not dictating my actions. And that to me feels like I'm getting in touch with my own, with with like the creative spirit, whether it's mine or external. Yeah. And, um, and it's very powerful. It's like very powerful. It sustains me and nurtures me. Yeah. And that is, uh, that's like a direct parallel to the force. Mm-hmm. It, it's uh, what I love about the way the force is described by Obi-Wan in this movie is that it surrounds us and penetrates us and binds the universe together. Vader was seduced by the dark side of the force. The force? Now, the force is what gives the Jedi his power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us and penetrates us. It binds the galaxy together. It seems like something that's just kind of just exists because life exists. Yeah. And maybe life exists because the force exists. But I, I actually doubt whether either could exist without the other. Hmm. And I feel that way about God. I feel like our definition or our, our, our idea of God is like a Western society is that uh, like there's this this higher power that created us. Mm-hmm. But I feel like maybe that thing that we're trying to describe as God is some sort of collective spirit of humanity Mm -hmm. where everyone who exists has a piece of it inside of themselves, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't exist in us. It exists like in and around us and like, and binds us together and that you can tap into that and feel a sense of connectivity to someone else that you've never met through some sort of indescribable feeling Mm -hmm. where they feel familiar, you know, uh, yeah, I, I I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. I lo- I've always just been so attracted to that type of thing, mm-hmm. and I feel like the best representation of it that I've ever seen is in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And I, I I feel like that's accurate. You know, I mm-hmm. feel like that's not hyperbole. I feel like uh, like Star Trek has always been my intellectual side, my curious side, my um, my hopeful, optimistic side, mm-hmm. and Star Wars has always been like my spiritual side. Mm. The 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 part that attracts me to each of these things. And I'd say that they are my two biggest fandoms, yeah. which gets really problematic when you try to put the prequels in there because I dislike them so much. And <laughs> it's actually, it's a problem for me to kind of uh, call myself a Star Wars fan because it has to come with caveats. Mm. 
which was so frustrating because that was something that I had to adjust to as I got older and those movies came out. Mm -hmm. uh, but when I first saw, you know, the original trilogy, I saw them pure. I saw them without the shitty prequel trilogy yeah. and they meant something so powerful to me. I was like yeah. in the Star Wars fan club. I would play, I was, I was played trumpet in, in, you know, elementary school, high school and some in college. And I bought a book of like Star Wars music and I would just come home and play Star Wars music on the trumpet. I mean, I yeah. collected action figures. I read expanded universe novels. I went deeper into the Star Wars fandom than almost any other fandom because the peripheral fandom of Star Wars is wonderful, mm. you know? Whereas, like, the peripheral fandom of Star Trek, some of the expanded universe novels, they don't quite capture the spirit of Star Trek. Mm -hmm. And it's very upsetting to read. Okay. Like, <laughs> so I just kind of didn't read as much of it. I read a little bit. But Star Wars, like, the expanded universe back in the day, before they wiped it all out of canon and restarted it, mm -hmm. was so rich and textured. And, like, all... There was a book uh, called Tales from the Cantina, where... Like, you know, the cantina scene yeah, in this movie course. where there's all those different characters. Yeah. It just picked a bunch of them and wrote backstories ah, from different amazing. authors. Cool. Yeah. So yeah. when I look around the room in that cantina, I see familiar faces yeah. of people whose stories that I know. Yeah. Uh, so, wow, yeah. That's awesome. That scene is making me think about um, something I wanted to talk about, which uh, also makes sense chronologically now, because we've just talked about how the droids have escaped on uh -huh. uh, that little escape life raft ship. The escape pod. Yeah, the yeah. escape pod. <laughs> and uh, and um, they land, you know, on the on the desert planet and they go off. uh in basically what with the orders of um i mean because r2d2 knows he seems to know where he needs to go and c3po is like i'm not i'm not going there <laughs> r2 wants to go find ben kenobi like that's yes. his mission yeah but yeah but c3po doesn't like for some reason he is like not into that plan and he's just going to go walk in the opposite direction. Yeah, he's just like such a whiner. And it's yeah, so it's funny. funny. But they it. end up in the same place, right? Yeah, Which is yeah. to be um, collected by those. By the Skywalkers. Right. Thank you. So well, I guess by the Lars family. Owen and Baru Lars. And then Luke Skywalker is there. Like yes. he, they've raised Luke right, Skywalker. Right, right, right. But it's not the Skywalker family. Yeah. So let's be specific. Let's really. <laughs> I mean, why not? What else are we doing? Yeah. So so <laughs> there's the scene where we meet Luke for the first time. Right. And he's um kind of picking which droids to right. to take. And I it was the first moment where I realized that droids really represent the journey. I mean, they, their journey is so similar to the journey of people of color in this country. Like, you know, so there's the slavery element, right? Where yeah. he's like, I'll take the red one. Like they're, it's basically, he's just like, they are commodified and they're like, I'll take this one. Yeah. And you know, C3PO has to kind of like stand up for his friend and be like, well, you know, he's really, he's a good worker, you know, like he'll, yeah. you know, um, it's just so interesting. I mean, they are, they're treated. I mean, the, obviously the major difference is that they are not humans right. and slaves are humans and right. they're both are treated like they're not humans. Right. Um, but, um, but in a way it didn't even matter that they weren't technically humans. I felt like they, sh they, that it still felt like they were being treated really unfairly, obviously. Yeah. Um, 
They seem they to don't have feel emotions. Like machines. Yeah, you know? exactly. They, yeah. they and then later the at the canteen when they're like we don't serve we don't their, serve their kind, kind here. Yeah. Here again, you know, uh, very similar to it's the like civil racism. Rights. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's it's really interesting um that they're uh, yeah, that parallel just kind of really stood out to me and um I also found them to be the most sympathetic characters. Like they yeah. were really and do they kill anyone? The droids? Yeah. Um, not in this movie. Okay. Because that's the other interesting thing, right? Like the machines, like people kill other people with machines, but the yeah. actual machines don't kill anybody, which is... Really There's, I mean, the prequels have battle droids, yeah. which are okay. just straight up droids to kill you. Yeah. Yeah, that's all they're for. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I actually really think that what you're saying about slavery uh, rings very true for me mm-hmm. um, because... I think that the intention with the droids was to show characters that seem and feel emotionally present to yeah. the audience yeah. and then treat them as garbage, basically. Yeah. Have the, the world treats them as garbage. Totally. But I think maybe the reason they did that is because our main characters treat them as friends, you know? Yeah. Like as you, yeah. as you get to know, like Han Solo does not, you know, Obi-Wan, right. not so much, but I feel like Luke uh, treats them with respect and kind of treats them as, as people almost, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, especially going forward in the, in the trilogy, like mm-hmm. Luke and R2 kind of have a special yeah. bond. Um, yeah. I, it's just interesting. Yeah. It's too bad. I was, I did notice of course that there are not very many people of color, although you don't right. really know because a lot of the people <laughs> in this movie are covered up by that. You can't see their faces. Yeah. There's um, like notoriously one but, black person. Yeah. In Star and that's Wars, kind of tough. And then that the one that the, that what feels like are representing the minority group are not even human beings. Like that. They're not even right. people is kind of a tough, is kind of a tough thing, but that's interesting. Um, well, there is a, uh, the second two movies have uh, a main character who's black and okay. Yeah. There's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot talked about the fact that there's kind of like one black character, but that's why it was yeah. such a big deal when the force awakens came out. And one of yeah. the main characters was black. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Finn, which is super, super cool. Oh, amazing. But I, there was I a huge yeah. racist backlash against that. Like a gigantic backlash oh. of people saying, how dare you put a black person at the center of a star Wars movie? Isn't that what? disgusting? Yeah. Oh my God. It just happened again with uh, Star well, Trek Discovery. Know, uh, There's like a, a female black main character. Yeah. And there was a lot of racist shit you that know, happened. You know, see, the, here's the hard thing. Here I am saying like, what? I'm so surprised. But if I was a person of color in this country, I would be like, yeah, hello. Yeah, totally. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so it's a very white privilege thing to be like, oh my God, I can't believe someone would say that. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. that's, of course, that's, that's, that's just one of the, the responses. That's the state of the world, and you know? Yeah. And, and, um. But wonderful that that Star Wars is making an effort then to right. to at least have more representation. And also, yeah, when did this movie come out? 1977. 77. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. Hollywood was not the most... Um, not the most inclusive place. No, it was not. And it still yeah. isn't. But, but it's, yeah, hopefully progress is being made. But, yeah, that's so, okay, interesting. But, yeah, so, I, but this is all kind of to go back to say that the for me, the droid's like, they were in. They were just the most endearing, instant. And I, I, I just the dynamic of them, and yeah. and also the scene where we're following R two D two through that canyon and yeah. all those um, 
Jawas. Jawas. Are, so that's an entire, that's probably what, from from following him to when they put him on the the ship and all this, that's probably a, what, like a four minute sequence? At least I'd say. Yeah. yeah. And nobody says a word. Right. Yeah. I there's mean, like at a, least in a language that we can understand. There's like a solid chunk of silent movie when yeah. they first get to Tatooine. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, like C-3PO wanders off in his direction. R2 goes, in, R2 goes on his mission, C-3PO just like, well, I'm going to go this way because it's closer to whatever. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's just like being kind of a, a brat. Yeah. Uh, but I love the fact that... that it's the, less rocky. I think the protocol droid is like a brat, you know? Yeah. He's a total like spoiled brat. But yeah. he really loves R2. Yeah. When he's later on in the movie when R2 gets injured in the uh, the final battle, yeah. C-3PO is like, oh my God, if any no, of my gears he could help, I will gladly donate them. I know, he does. He loves him. Yeah. And, you know... They're like an old married couple. They totally are. I also... The visual of them is so adorable. Like, yeah. the contrast of how they look. Totally. I mean, they obviously... They serve really different functions. Um, but they just... I always... I think it's really funny that C-3PO has... So, you know, like... And the, throughout the movie, he's all tarnished and dusty. And then at the end, at the very last scene, you see <laughs> yeah. him, like, polished and looking great. Yeah. And... I assumed that weird like wire midriff thing that was going on with him was because he had had something like pulled off of him. Oh. But then when it's still exposed yeah. during the final scene, I was like, oh, inter- that's interesting. Like you kind of see the insides. Um, I've never thought about that. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. Intentionally they're exposed. I'm, I just, it's, it was, it's an interesting um, design yeah. element. How I does know. that work? Because like <laughs> there's just a dude inside, you know? <laughs> But like, right, right. I've never well, really thought about like, yeah. like why? Why would you? That's actually probably really bad. Like his wires are exposed. He yeah, could get like, caught on something and turn off. It doesn't seem to make sense. No, but it doesn't. But it looks cool. It looks really cool. Yeah, it's like it's very hip. Oh, two D two. It is you. It is you. And R2 has so much personality. The The sound design in this movie is exceptional. Yeah. And uh, Ben Burt was the sound designer. And uh-huh. I think uh, the the sound of the lightsabers is insanely good. Oh my, the entire... And the sound of R2-D2 is amazing. Yeah. He's the, so alive. The aural landscape of yeah. this movie is stellar. And something you kept mentioning, which I couldn't agree more with, is, is, the, is the music. Oh my God, I mean, it's music. just... It just completely paints the picture. Yeah. I think... Uh, when I was talking earlier about the original cut that was too long, I think it also had no music. Uh, and the music oh. is um, a, a, a make or break thing for this movie. Totally. And for all the Star Wars movies, like John Williams, uh, sure, like all of his scores sound the same, mm-hmm. but they sound amazing. Like he's incredible. Mm-hmm. I am such a huge fan of John Williams. We were at breakfast the other day and you were trying to hum the Star Wars theme and you went through like uh, <laughs> Superman, Raiders of the Lost Ark. You went through like a couple of John Williams themes yeah. before you came back to one that was actually Star Wars. It was so funny to me. I'm just arguing the first one I was doing was Star Wars. I just wasn't doing it very well. Possibly. Possibly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so no, I, yeah, I, love the, I love I love the the visual storytelling of that silent film section, yeah. which it's not super long, but, but you know, R2-D2 and C-3PO are, are both picked up by Jawas mm-hmm. on the, mm-hmm. and that big sand crawler. Oh, and, and when the, he's so happy to see him too, it is R2-D2, you. R2-D2, it is you, yeah. it is you. I mean, it's yeah. just, there's this tenderness between them that is just, I just yeah. love it. It's such a, like, I feel like a movie would never do that now, where you have two, mm-hmm. two characters that are, 
are machines mm-hmm. of like you've only met like four characters at this point you've met darth vader you've met princess leia um and then you've met the droids and then it exclusively follows the droids for a little while yeah. before you meet luke yeah uh, with a couple of like intercut scenes back on the spaceship which is interesting but the story has like you have no idea where it's going there's no sense of forward direction for a little while uh, when you meet when you're with the droids on Tatooine when they're getting picked up by the Jawas, and then it just seems to make no sense story wise to have two characters land on a planet together, separate, and then come back together and be excited, and then we get along with our story. <laughs> right. It doesn't do anything for the story, no. but I adore it. Yeah, like, I absolutely love it, and yeah. it really makes you feel. I mean, what it does do is it makes you, you feel the connection between those characters. Yeah, it does. It paints the picture of their dynamic. And yeah. again, that goes back to how much of the plot points or the the action in this movie, especially in the beginning, revolves around just expressing the characters and showing you the yeah. characters. Because really all that does exactly is it is it shows you their dynamic. It shows you that that it's sort of this I mean, it, yeah, it is almost like spou- a spouse, like, a, well, you're doing that. This I'm going to go in the yard and pull the weeds, you know, and then it's like, but they're both at the dinner table. Like, you know, yeah. like, I, I, it's, I, I just I love I love their dynamic. And and yeah, I mean, having them separate serves no other real function other than right. that. You yeah, know, totally. so, yeah, it's 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 great. It's a hard line to to ride where you're trying to have characters who are mean to each other constantly, but who love each other. Yeah. To kind of illustrate what's under the surface of that relationship is difficult. Right. And Star Wars does a really good job of that. Yeah. Also, yeah, is it? I think it is. I think everything we hear from R2-D2, we actually is is filtered through the mouth of C. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So so we kind of R2D2's personality is a combination of what we infer based on what we see and uh-huh. I mean, you know, and the pitch of his sound and the yeah. and then also the the actual information we get through C3PO's side of the conversation. Yeah, that's so. really interesting because he does seem to have his own personality that seems like very oh, clear yeah. to me. And you I mean you 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 definitely have scenes where you they're arguing with each other, but it's really just C-3PO kind of arguing with himself based on, you know, I mean, if you imagine that the beep boop beep boops weren't, weren't there, weren't there, you know, it's I like mean, it's John Arbuckle and Garfield. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, yeah. I think, uh, I think uh, what all of this, what all of this does for me, like functionally in the movie is that mm-hmm. it makes me believe that a tin can who never speaks is alive. Yeah, And I think that crosses me over into a realm of suspension of disbelief that uh, is already so much more exciting to me from like a, from just like an audience perspective uh-huh. to make me believe something is alive mm-hmm. uh, that is like so obviously just crafted by people, you right, know, right. by filmmakers. Like, I believe that character 100%. Like, oh, I believe in R2-D2 yeah. as being, like, a real-life character. And if anything happened to him, I would be, be devastated. devastated. Yeah, so yeah. it's like, it's, it. yeah, it definitely, I mean, that's the kind of the anthropomorphication? Yeah. Just you reconsider playing that message for him. No, I don't think he likes you at all. No, I don't like you either. <laughs> So there actually is a a man named Kenny Baker who wore the R two D two costume. Like oh, when he, really? when it's uh, the one scene that really sticks out to me 
the first one that comes to memory is when um, C-3PO and the red droid are walking away from the the, the lineup in front of the yes. sand crawler where yes. they've like like Luke has purchased the the red droid and yes. not R2D2 and R2 is like kind of bobbing back and forth on his legs uh-huh. uh like stuff like that there or whenever the head is like swiveling back and forth there's yeah. actually someone inside moving that oh around. wow that's incredible but there okay. is also a mechanical version yeah like when uh when all three legs are down and it's rolling yes that's a mechanical okay version. it does look like, yeah. yeah yeah when there's like two legs because one of his legs comes up mm-hmm. when there's two legs and he's like bobbing around uh, oh, and it, it adds like so much humanity to the character. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Humanity being a word in this situation that means life. Yes, I guess because yes. he's not human. It's not right. Yeah, yeah, I, completely. Yeah, yeah. They're, fin- we, they're we are fantastic. talking through this movie very slowly, but I'm I know, into it. So, I know we are. So well, we're, we can... we're now at the point where we meet meet Luke Skywalker finally, <laughs> uh, who's like just this farm boy. Yeah, uh, he lives on a moisture farm. Yeah, which I now know I have a reference point for that based on your song. Yeah, which was yeah. really fun to get to explain to you. You're like, what is a moisture farm? When I played you that song the first time, I'm like, well, I wait. actually think I said, I was like, what a weird combination of words. Like, <laughs> you did say that moisture and it's like farm. moisture farm. I mean, that yeah. feels like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So like, without a reference point, that's a bizarre phrase, you know? Totally. The Lars homestead is a moisture farm and you see things called moisture evaporators. Yeah. They're basically sucking moisture out of the air to sell as water <laughs> because there's so little water yeah. uh, on yeah. the planet. Well, and that les- that desert landscape is definitely something that I, the one other Star Wars movie I've seen, The Force Awakens, th- that carried over to that. that there was yeah. something about, there was a bridge between those two yeah. vibes that was that was cool to see. Which reminds me of a huge thing that I wanted to bring up, which is that the biggest complaint levied against The Force Awakens was that it was uh, a retelling of Star Wars Episode Four, <laughs> where it really follows the same... sort of the Luke character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They even end up on something... The Star Killer base, which is like a bigger, badder Death Star, yeah, that they yeah. have to destroy. It's extremely similar. Like the outline of the movie is very similar. Yeah, and Han and Solo kind of becomes the Obi Wan Kenobi character uh-huh. in The Force Awakens. And it's they like don't the, like that. That was a, that's a, a a negative thing. Well, that's actually up for debate. So I actually yeah. think it's very. I I see that, and I felt that when I watched the movie the first time. Yeah. But to me, it was like uh, different enough that it just felt like a familiar structure yeah and that they filled the new filled that structure with something new and interesting and right. i actually love that i love it too and yeah. i actually think it's also um kind of a call to history repeating itself right that, yeah. that we that even in an in a long time long long time ago in a galaxy far far away uh people don't learn their lessons and the exact same things need to happen over and over and over again yeah um you know, because yeah. that's just the nature of, of life totally. and yeah. yeah. Um, not that they need to, unfortunately, sadly, I wish they didn't need to happen over again, but yeah. Well, every I think, single generation has to go through it themselves. Yeah. Know? There's this. Yeah. People I think, have to learn things for themselves. We can't yeah, be told. Yeah. In my mind, that's, that is not a negative uh, thing that there was, that there was similarity there, but, but, uh, but interesting that, that someone would argue that it is. Did you, you notice know. that? 
since you've only seen these two movies? <laughs> um, no, I didn't notice that, actually. I, I, I ha- it didn't immediately come to mind. It makes a lot of sense now talking about it. It's like, oh, yeah, of course, uh, those are really similar stories. But um, yeah, but it did, I didn't stand out to me as, as a, a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. No, I, I, I was it thinking, didn't come to mind. I was thinking about that this time. And I, I honestly don't feel like they are similar enough to be angry about it. I feel like they're similar enough to yeah. celebrate because they got it right with The Force Awakens. Yeah, I mean, I also really liked that movie. Um, yeah. And I think that that uh, structure of a story is really gratifying. Yeah. Um, especially in the, in this realm, in this world. So, I totally. mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with it being similarly structured i also am excited to see um to see another star wars movie where me yeah now that we're talking about it where maybe like the the line of the story goes in a different direction yeah the next two are wildly different from each other and wildly different from the first one which is another thing i love about these three movies is that they are just so fucking creative and unique and original yeah. and wonderful. Well, and here's the other thing I'm noticing now, too, is as we're talking, I'm like, well, I'm, are we watching those tonight? Like, I, <laughs> like, I don't want to wait a long time between yeah. seeing them. But I also realized that the world did need to, you know, like. The, yeah, it's like the three idea, years, If that was a movie that just came out and, you know, I mean, oh, my God, I'd be so. I'd be feeling things. I'd be feeling <laughs> things for sure. Um, yeah. Antsy to see the next one. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm really excited that I'm coming to this. That might be a benefit of coming to it now is I just kind of get to... Uh, you get to roll through it. Go right into it. You get to binge watch that shit. I, I know. Yeah. Okay, so we meet Luke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we meet Obi-Wan Kenobi. There's this... Uh, so when Luke gets like yeah. attacked by the, the sand people mm-hmm. and... He's on his back and the sand people are like going through Luke's stuff and the droids are hiding. C- or R2's hiding. C-3PO's like been attacked. Yeah. Um, there's this moment where Obi-Wan Kenobi's introduced and he like he's walking up over the ridge and this weird noise happens. And the sand people run away. Yes. Do you remember that moment? Yeah. Did you understand? I did not understand what was happening as a kid. I had no idea that that was a force at the time. Is that what you're saying? Well, I'm asking what you what you think happened. Yeah. Well, I, now having seen the whole movie, I thought he, I think he was using the force because yeah. there's another moment where he's hiding and two stormtroopers come right. and he like he like points somewhere and they go, "What was that?" and they like turn their heads. Yeah, totally. And he's able to. So I can see now. Oh, that's what he he was essentially doing the same thing. I think at the time I just kind of thought. I knew it. I know. I knew whatever happened, it had to do with him, and he made it happen. But I, yeah. I didn't. I don't think I. I cool. knew it was the force yet. Yeah, there's a bunch of moments where you kind of have to take things on face value. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, well, that didn't necessarily make sense, but it happened and now this is happening. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. So years later, what I learned is that the noise he makes is actually the call of the crate dragon. And remember at the beginning when R2 and C3PO are by this giant skeleton in the in the sand? Oh, yeah. Actually, I guess it's just C-3PO when he's wandering off by himself. Yeah. He's like next to a giant yeah, skeleton. Yeah, 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 That's I, it's supposed to be the skeleton of a crate dragon, which is like this oh giant God. sand monster. Whoa. And Obi-Wan uses the force to project the sound of that, I guess, somehow oh, wow. to the sand people. So they think they're about to be attacked by a giant sand monster and they run away. Wow. So I, 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 
I love that there's that much detail under the surface. Mm-hmm. But I also love that they don't tell you that because you don't need to know. Like you yeah. just kind of get it from what happens. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was confused the first time, but it made enough sense that I could keep going with the story. Yeah. But every time something like that happens, there is uh, either stuff that was originally written or that fans have written or that sure. you know, expanded universe novels. All that stuff has been filled in. Every single moment of detail has been filled in yeah. with backstory. And that, that, <laughs> that backstory has more detail behind it also. And uh, it's just so cool. I don't know why this made me think of this. Um, I, this is going to take us forever. But because this is not uh, the next thing that happens in the story. But it yeah. did make me think of this is um, I think because you were like, that's the sound of the of the dragon or whatever. And then suddenly I'm thinking, oh, yeah, this is a world where um, there can exist those types of monsters and things yeah. that we've never seen. And then that's made me start thinking like back to the question you asked me about um did you feel like this was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away? It kind of like, oh, they're humans, but they're not humans. Um, yeah. The fact that they speak English yeah. is actually what makes, that's a huge part of it. The, I mean, language is, you know, that, and, but, but I if think you, you mean think of galactic it, basic. Galactic basic. Oh gosh. Okay. Yeah. See, right. Well, <laughs> so that's the thing though, is I'm almost, almost it's easier for me just to imagine that, we're hearing it in English because that's the language we speak. But that, sure. it, but that, if you were, if you were able to just, that you'd be hearing it'd be some other language we've never heard of. Totally, I think that uh, I think you can interpret it either way, and I also think that part of the joy of this is that it kind of doesn't matter, you know? Yeah, it just works. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's a that's a thing that I've thought about in the past. Also, there was a time where I was questioning whether or not they're even human. But then I went back and watched the movie again, and I believe they do explicitly refer to human beings. So just humans, not from Earth. Right. Yeah. Earth is never mentioned. Never. Never. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, technically, a long, long time ago in the galaxy far, far away, it doesn't have to mean compared to us. Right. It could be compared to Whoever fictional the, characters in the Star Wars universe yeah, watching the movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. Okay. Interesting. It's 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 the setting of a mood, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's I think it's an incredibly powerful combination of words. Yeah. Where it doesn't necessarily matter what it means because it kind of just flicks on the part of your brain that wants to hear a story told. That's what you, which totally, you said earlier. Exactly yeah. Totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's perfect for that. Yeah. Uh, so then we <laughs> so coming back from the very first thing we see. Yeah, movie. totally. Let's say things again. Uh, so then, I love the scene in Obi Wan's house where yeah he tells Luke about the Force. He mm-hmm. gives him his his dad's lightsaber. Yeah, and uh, you get a sense of the history of the universe for the first time, where he talks about the Clone Wars. He talks about the like the dark times, yeah. you know, like the old Republic, how the empire, we're living in dark times now. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's actually some talk about the fact that maybe this is a post-apocalyptic world hmm. where there's, or like a, not, not post-apocalyptic, but dystopian for mm-hmm. sure, mm-hmm. where we're living in this like dystopian uh, universe where the yeah. evil galactic empire is taking over. Yeah. Um, and then the prequels are actually about the the Old Republic that is mentioned in that one line. Right. And the second prequel movie is called Attack of the Clones. You fought in the Clone Wars? Yes. I was once a Jedi Knight, the same as your father. Yeah, I'm so sad to hear that that they're not good. <laughs> because well, I feel like they <laughs> could be so good. I mean, that's like such a lush um, place to go is the idea of yeah. what what was before well it's interesting because i think what what i wanted and what 
I, I, I feel pretty confident in saying a majority of Star Wars fans wanted at the time mm-hmm. was a continuation, was episodes seven, eight, and nine. And that is oh, now happening, yeah. which is insane. I mean, yeah. the, I went most of my life up until this point just accepting the fact that I would never get another story with Han, Luke, and Leia, you know? Yeah. And then the fact that that happened is incredible, but it makes it even more devastating to me that Carrie Fisher passed away mm. before she was able to f- to shoot episode nine. She will yeah. be in the next one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's so sad. So, yeah. It's... But, you know, the fact that we get it at all is like such a gift that so, I'm thrilled for. So when episode one came out, you didn't, you didn't care about what happened before. You just wanted to know what was going to happen next. I had to drum up excitement about what happened before. Okay. And the thing that really made me excited was that Ewan McGregor plays Obi-Wan Kenobi as a young man. Huh. And <laughs> oh, uh, wow. he is actually the the main thing that's worth watching to me in mm. those three movies. Because mm-hmm. his, his transformation into something closer to the character that we see in episode four is pretty wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the general premise of the prequels was like, let's tell the story of Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. Uh, you know. And I'm not going to tell you anything else. Actually. No, I don't want to know. But yeah. yeah, but see, for me, and and again, I mean, this could be totally. This is just my opinion. But after having seen Episode Four, if if the next one they had made was Episode One, I would have been really excited to see that. Interesting. Um. Oh, cool. Like because if you think of Episode Four as this complete story, because they did make it, as you said, in a way that's kind of its own caps encapsulated thing. Um, to me, starting before wouldn't be jarring for me. Yeah, um, you that's know, interesting because really there's interesting. not like a cliffhanger at the end that's like, "What's gonna happen next?" You know. Right. Um, so if you had gone back and been like, "So here's what happened before this," yeah, uh, it wouldn't be bizarre. That's funny. There's actually a, a a fan idea or theory out there that the best watching order for Star Wars mm-hmm. is uh, you watch episodes four and five. And then you go b- back and watch episodes two and three, and then you watch episode six. Like if you're showing someone for the first yeah. time, and they actually just excise episode one from don't the viewing watch order it at all. all. Yeah, never watch it. And I, yeah. I don't, I don't subscribe to this theory, but mm-hmm. I thought it was really interesting that it would be kind of a, a good payoff to kind of like see the modern story mm-hmm. if four, five, and six are, are quote unquote the modern story, mm-hmm. and then before you get the finale of that, go back and see the history of the world yeah. and the prequels, yeah. and then come back and finish it. I thought yeah. that was kind of interesting. It's very similar to what you were just saying, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which is I mean, cool. yeah, I have a feeling that after. <laughs> Whoa, buddy! What do you want? He just wants his belly scratched. Yeah, uh, I have a feeling double scratch uh, after I see <laughs> after I see five. I will not feel the same way. I will not feel like, oh, and now I right. can see one. You know, totally. um, you will not. And also, <laughs> and also, once I see one, I may be like, oh, I never needed to see that. But um, based on what yeah. I've heard so far, but who knows? Maybe it'll be my thing. Maybe I'll just be yeah. that chick that's like, yeah, prequels. Well, I actually have a lot of friends who like the prequels a lot. Um, yeah. A lot of them were were are a little younger than me, so they okay. were kind of in like middle school when the prequels came out okay no wait no i I was in middle school when episode one came out so i guess they were in elementary school so it kind of a little younger than you you are a little younger than me yeah (laughs) uh but for them it was like a childhood movie you know episode one was a childhood movie so they right and maybe it was the first star wars movie they saw okay so it's less about like 
Right. Okay. Yeah. And then coming back yeah. and watching the old ones is like, these are kind of janky and old, you know? <laughs> Whereas to me, they're like perfect works of art. I loved it. Yeah. I yeah. Lo- and I loved the jankiness, honestly. Totally. I, I, which I, I, we predicted I would. Um, yeah. And I did. I did. I loved seeing the seams, as I said earlier. But um, Miles wants so much attention right now. I know. Miles, did you want to talk about Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> um, Agreed. What is it? father's lightsaber. This is the weapon of a Jedi Knight. Not as clumsy or random as a blaster. An elegant weapon for a more civilized age. It was interesting watching that scene with Obi-Wan and Luke where Obi-Wan explains the world a little bit. I actually, I loved that scene as a kid. I was just so excited about like the little bit of history that we got. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's so funny because that scene is the closest thing that we get in the original trilogy to telling you what the prequels are going to be about. Mm. You know, like mm-hmm. he basically describes kind of the plot of the prequels yeah. um, in a, in a very broad sense. Right. So I remember finding out that the prequels were going to take place before the, these movies yeah and then watching them again and seeing that scene and being like oh you know what i am interested what is a clone war you know like <laughs> what is that i'd like to know that yeah uh so i did get excited about it before the movie came out but then i watched it and that's a whole other story misa called jaja binks misa your humble servant that won't be necessary oh but it is it is demanded by the gods it is luke and obi-wan realize that stormtroopers are on their tail mm-hmm. and that maybe they've traced the droids back to Luke's home mm-hmm. and then Luke goes home and sees that his uh, his aunt and uncle who have raised him are have been killed by the stormtroopers. Oh my god, which yeah. was su- yeah, that was such a huge thing to happen and the way it happened was I mean, I guess it was the way that it was revealed to Luke, you know, but I mean just to see those skeletons burning, that was such a uh, intense uh, thing. And also Luke's reaction was really interesting to me. I feel like he undersold that yeah. as an actor. I yeah. I love Mark Hamill, especially as Luke Skywalker, mm-hmm. but I've never felt the emotional weight of the loss of his family. No, that's almost why I was like, wait, are they dead? Is that, is that supposed to be his own or uncle? I think yeah. I even said you, I was like, what was that? Yeah. You know, because then I think they do pan back to his face or something, but, and it's just sort and of a neutral. Bummed. Yeah. yeah kind of like, well, that's too bad. Yeah. Everyone I know and love is dead and my house is on fire. Okay. Yeah. You know, but but maybe it's shock. Maybe it's, you know. Totally. Um, and you can't, I mean, you, it's funny too, because you don't really have, um, maybe I'm just not remembering it, but I don't really remember a moment. The, the way it would have worked for me, that reaction would be where he realizes his grief later. Right. Um, where there's like a moment where he, he, he re- like he's. He shows more, more sadness for and... Obi-Wan later than he does for his own family. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which maybe you could then, I mean, you could make it up in your mind that like that is a, a transference of his actual grief to whatever, you know, but yeah. nah, I don't think I, so. I, I think you know, that it was done on purpose to kind of keep the movie lighter. Yeah. I think yeah. that it was a necessary story move yeah. that maybe George didn't want to bring down the pace uh-huh. at that moment because that's uh-huh. where the pace starts to pick up. Yeah. So I get it, but I also, I've always felt that every viewing, I'm yeah. just like, well, this wasn't quite sold. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. I agree. I did meet the guy who played Uncle Owen at a comic convention in San Diego and I have his autograph somewhere. Was he cool? He was very surly. 
surly yeah okay he was when i met him he was pretty old at that point and oh. uh he died a couple years later actually so oh. i don't think he was it was i don't think it was necessarily the place that he wanted to be at that moment. sure okay know? yeah but it's very cool for me yeah uh so then they go to the the cantina to find a pilot to Which, get them to alderaan yeah so what's funny is you actually said pretty few things throughout this movie i thought that you would be talking a lot more honestly going into it I would have, <laughs> but one of like the very few things you said was like how iconic yeah the cantina, the cantina is, scene was is, yeah. yeah um and because the other one i've seen is the force awakens i definitely had a reference point for that right um, maz Kanata's palace yeah. has a very similar yeah, scene exactly yeah i mean i think for a lot of people that was the moment where you just look around a room and you're like, I am on another planet. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, and you get a sense for the kind of casual brutality of the universe yeah. where like two of our main characters either maim or kill someone inside mm-hmm. of the cantina. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Obi-Wan chops just... off Ponda Baba's arm oh uh, and whose name you would never know unless you read Tales from the Cantina. Yeah, but I, you know, when you said it, it really fit. <laughs> yeah, totally. There's, uh, the <laughs> other guy was uh, Evazan. Oh. Yeah. People's names seem to fit. Chewbacca is, can only be one person. Oh, absolutely. You know? if, you, if you watch the movie on mute and then we're told all the characters' names later, you'd be like, Chewbacca's the big dog, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So they go in the back corner, they meet Han Solo. He's this, like, you know, wise-talking smuggler. Uh-huh. Uh, the the role that made Harrison Ford a household name. Mm. He was in American Graffiti before this, which was George Lucas's pre- prior film, which I've actually mm. never watched, which I would love to see. Yeah, uh, I feel like it's close enough related to sci-fi that I could even do a show about it. Maybe yeah, we should do I think that. So yeah. Um. So so you get this first impression of Han Solo, and then Greedo comes in, and Han Solo shoots Greedo in cold blood in the cantina. Uh, just so that he can get away because he's being chased by Jabba the Hutt, some gangster. Yeah. Um, which will come back. Uh, oh, I know. Because that's that's a name I've heard. Yeah. Jabba the Hutt. Yeah. What do you think he looks like based off of the name? Blobby. You got it. Jabba wa ninjiko yeah, but this time I've got the money. I don't have it with me. We're already talking for two hours. Then we're only like a quarter of the way through the movie. Yeah, but I feel but like the pace picks up. Yeah, we're we'll kind of too. going at the pace of the movie. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So in the special edition where George Lucas went back and changed a lot of the special effects Mm -hmm. to re-release it for uh, in like 1997, he actually changed that scene so that Greedo shot first. uh, And then Han, like Han still pulls the blaster out under the table. Yeah. But then Greedo shoots at him and Han ducks it and then shoots Greedo. Wow. Uh, And it was fans like rioted in the streets. It was a like, well, that like, is a pretty it, different story, kind of. Totally. You know, like, like George Lucas regretted making Han Solo a cold-blooded killer in the yeah. first scene that he's in, uh, yeah. and decided to kind of pull that punch. Yeah, and it's just like a, uh, I will use the word asinine decision because mm. Han Solo being a cold-blooded killer when you meet him is integral to who his character becomes. Yeah. Like the whole first movie, his arc is, uh, I am 
out for myself. Like mm-hmm. I have blinders on mm-hmm. to anyone else but me and maybe Chewbacca. <laughs> but by the end of the movie, he's willing to risk his own life to come back and fight for a cause that he knows is just. Yeah. And that's a big turning point. Yeah. And it doesn't feel as big of a moment if uh if he's waiting for Greedo to shoot first. Yeah. Fuck that noise. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. That's was a really, great point. Really bizarre choice that, that George Lucas made. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Uh, so cantina happens yes so then we we escape tatooine and there's like a great shootout in in uh docking bay 94 yeah before they leave yep uh the first time where a bunch of lasers fly actually the second time because when a bunch of lasers fly and no one gets hit when you expect them at to at the very beginning at the very beginning like yeah. r2 and c3po walk across the hallway yeah. and never get hit yeah i think i literally said nice lasers yeah <laughs> Uh, so they, they blast out of there and then they go to light speed, which was, it's such a great scene where like Han is just running calculations to go to light speed because if you don't do that, you could just go straight through a planet mm. and they're being chased by, you know, an Imperial star destroyer. But as soon as they go to light speed, they're, they're home free. Why don't y'all run them? I thought you said this thing was fast. Watch your mouth, kid. You're going to find yourself floating home. We'll be safe enough once we make the jump to hyperspace. Besides, I know a few maneuvers. We'll lose them. This is a very particular thing to Star Wars that is copied all the time. And I'm, I'm sure it came before and I just didn't notice because I was a baby. But uh, normally when people go to light speed or hyperspace or warp drive, mm-hmm. they are trackable. And mm-hmm. uh, you can, like in Star Trek, you can follow someone at warp, you know? Hmm. But in Star Wars, when you go to, to hyperspace, yeah. you're you're gone. You can't be followed. You're just like wow. escaped. Uh-huh. And it's a great story thing for the movies in that like, you know, getting to hyperspace is all it takes to get away. Yeah. And they play with that a lot in the second one in, mm-hmm. uh, in episode five. Oh, cool. Okay. But I just wanted to point that out to you since you're a little less familiar with science fiction. Yeah. That, that yeah. that's actually kind of a... A particular thing to this movie that I really like. Yeah. Uh, because it kind of speaks to the lawlessness of the universe yeah. where like smuggling, all you have to do to be a smuggler is have a fast ship. And yeah. You just get away. Yeah. It's a great device. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So they head to Alderaan and they find it in pieces uh, because the Empire has destroyed it. Uh-huh. Uh, that's another moment where I feel like the emotional weight is not really conveyed where Leia has to watch her, her planet be destroyed. Be exp- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. huge. And you don't quite feel her devastation that her her entire family is uh is killed, I yeah. I would suppose. Yeah, so I guess it's interesting cuz to me this is sort of a similar issue of the cantina like that people can just be killed there and no and there's no reaction. Yeah. Um I'm wondering if that's sort of sort of the lack of response from Princess Leia and Luke kind of also is slightly built by a world in which their death is just con- constant. Hmm. You know, people are people yeah. are dying all the time and um there's this weird I don't know, not immunity but just people are jaded to it. Yeah, that almost like if you grew up be especially if you're the princess of this rebel alliance like that <laughs> that you kind of grow up with this knowledge of you might lose everything in a second. Like yeah. the stakes are always life or death. Yeah. Um, interesting. I mean, but maybe not, maybe that's kind of just an excuse, but that could be a reason for it. But I agree. The yeah. gravity of those moments did not 
yeah. did not translate, at least even even if you were thinking of that, you know that the audience, <laughs> that we need to understand that those what's happening in those moments and the fact that they did feel a little, the response felt a little flippant from the character who was most effective. Right. Affected. Um, that didn't translate what was actually happening in that moment. Totally. But uh, to the movie's credit, Obi-Wan Kenobi moments later feels the force cry out yeah, that so yeah, many people had just that's died. True. And that's a wonderful moment. That's true. And that really kind of fixes that for me. Yeah. I felt a great disturbance in the force as if millions of voices suddenly cried out in terror and were suddenly silenced. I fear something terrible has happened. So then they get to where Alderaan used to be, which reminds me, they say Alderaan and Alderaan and Leia and, Leia and, and Leia Leia. Yeah. And- like no one, no one pronounces things consistently, which is so charming. Which I kind of like. I know it is true. It well, it actually seems realistic. You yeah, know? totally. Um, yeah, like you know. Yeah, I kind of like Oregon, that. Oregon. Yeah, you know, people. If you're not from somewhere, you might not say it the way. Totally. They might say it, or if you don't know that person, you might not say their name exactly correctly. You and know? these people are from like planets all over the galaxy, so it makes sense. Yeah. They show up, and the Death Star has destroyed the planet. Mm-hmm. They. Uh, are stuck in the tractor beam and then the movie kind of turns into a comedy you know (laughs) like it's like a there's just so many great funny moments when they're on the death star there's like a a wry sense of humor yeah that really comes out at this point in the movie Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and to me that's one of the most star wars things which is like people cracking wise during life or death situations yeah that's yeah uh, that's something that I just love in general, yeah. you know, and I feel like Star Wars kind of show, is, is the model for how to do that perfectly. Yeah. Uh, because yeah, I agree that, that they did do that really well. Yeah. And that's, they did a great yeah. job of like splitting up characters. Mm-hmm. Obi-Wan's going on his mission to bring down the shield generator and, uh, you know, Han and Luke and Chewie go off to save the princess. Yeah. And R2 and 3PO are just hiding and then lying to Imperial officers. Yeah, it's that it's like that gallows humor, you know. It's, yeah. It, it, <laughs> yeah, I, I love the moment where uh, C-3PO and R2-D2 lock themselves in the closet. They're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. we've been stuck in here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you hurry, you can catch them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, my favorite joke in the movie is when they're in the trash compactor and they call 3PO and oh 3PO thinks that... God, yes. like, Curse my blasted metal body. I wasn't fast enough. Because yeah, <laughs> he like, thinks they're, they're dying. Screaming. They're dying, R2. <laughs> um, which is such a... It's such a great, like switch in uh emotion because like you're just stressing out that you're about to be crushed with these characters yeah and then they're screaming with joy and like c-3po is you know super depressed about it it's so funny i just love it oh yeah absolutely (laughs) what listen to them they're dying r2 curse my metal body i wasn't fast enough it's all my fault my poor master when i saw this for the first time the sense of adventure mm. during the whole section of the movie on the Death Star was yeah. so palpable. I'd never felt anything like that in a movie. <sighs> yeah. Um, yeah. Where I'm just like so excited to see what happens next. And yeah. they just kind of move from set piece to set piece. Like mm-hmm. they're they're uh, in the detention area and then they're in the trash compactor and yes. then they're, you know, swinging across a chasm and yes. th- just so much happens and it's so fun and adventuresome. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, it all it all feels too easy. Mm. You know, it's like no one's getting shot. No one's 
Like the the stormtroopers are missing them constantly. Yeah. And yeah. Luke takes to killing uh with a plum. <laughs> oh my gosh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Which I was really thinking about this time. Huh. Yeah. yeah. What what I mean, what what uh, impression did you have based well, on that? I mean, Luke is kind of the wide-eyed uh naive kid in mm-hmm. this movie. Mm-hmm. Um like just at the very beginning of his journey and when they get into the detention area and they start shooting all the guards and stormtroopers and stuff, like yeah. Luke doesn't even bat an eye at, yeah. at killing people. I wonder if that's almost an expression of his sense of loss. Possibly. These are the people that took away his, you know, when you see your people who raised you, their bodies burning. <laughs> yeah. The people who started the fire maybe are easier to, to just kill. <laughs> yeah. And I think that uh, maybe his character is intended to be a little, a little slightly bit gray. Mm, I mean, mm. Han Solo is gray as fuck. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Princess Leia is just kind of a hardcore badass warrior. Yeah. And Luke is just this wide eyed kid who's just thrust into this situation. You know, yeah. he's not really prepared for any of this. Uh, I guess gray is the wrong word, but maybe just like naive, mm-hmm. you know, but right. it's, it's weird that a naive person would be able to just kill without batting an eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, that struck me as strange on this viewing. Mm hmm. But uh, but I'm so used to the movie at this point that it's hard for me to kind of see it any other way other than just like, oh, bad guys are bad. We got to kill the bad guys. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. But that was also, I mean, Star Wars was one of the first movies where I was ever okay with that because mm-hmm. as a kid, I was raised on Star Trek values where, yeah. you know, you don't kill unless you absolutely have to. Right. And sure, they kind of had to kill in that situation, but the movie kind of makes it, it, the movie is just so fun at that point mm-hmm. that it, it's like killing people is this big adventure. Yeah. Um, which is so interesting. It's one of those things that I just stopped questioning so long ago yeah. in star Wars. And it was just reminded of when we watched it. Yeah. Just kind of interesting. Yeah. That's a great point. A little short for a stormtrooper. Huh? So then they get to the princess and then things really take off because the chemistry between Han, Luke and Leia mm-hmm. is just like, incredible it is you know yeah the three of them running around together is just so great it is yeah the dynamic is is awesome and it's this sort of bizarre melting pot of all kinds of dynamics there's like kind of a brother sister there's a there's definitely a romantic one there there's a little mother son i feel like like there's like a mentor mentee maybe um is more like um like older maybe more older sister like someone who's older and has a bit of authority but that you admire yeah um it's also like it's interesting because the age differences are hard to decipher yeah like you know luke is young Uh uh-huh but you don't really like when you think about like how much younger would luke be than leia or how much older would um han solo be or not han solo um Hansel? Yeah, Hansel. Hansel. <laughs> Wait, is that what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, like, the, you kind of, it's an interesting, not that age should matter that much, but there's definitely a part of their dynamic as a, almost like it seems like Leia and Han Solo are kind of the similar ages, and then Luke's a bit younger, but not so much younger that he can't be, I don't know, it's interesting. Yeah. Well, the actors... Uh... Luke and Leia were pretty close in age and actually like 
around 19-ish, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty sure Carrie Fisher was 19. I don't remember for sure about Luke, uh, Mark Hamill. But Harrison Ford, if I'm remembering correctly, was around 30. Really? Yeah. That's weird because I almost perceived Han Solo and Leia as kind of like similar ages and then yeah. like the young kid kicking along. Yeah. I don't know who you are or where you came from. But from now on, you do as I tell you, okay? Look, your worshipfulness, let's get one thing straight. I take orders from just one person, me. So one day you're still alive. Will somebody get this big walking carpet out of my way? We must not forget Chewbacca. No, yeah. No kidding. What'd you think of Chewbacca? <laughs> I thought he was great. Yeah, I mean, he... Uh, <laughs> he kind of felt to me like a... Like a... Uh, an old curmudgeon like that's like <laughs> along for the the ride like uh-huh. like kind of like an eeyore character almost but like with a faster pace interesting <laughs> you know that's so funny um but also like a little bit scaredy cat but then <laughs> like you know like it was funny because i mean he's i don't know he feels like this like <laughs> little scared giant hairy thing yeah that's so funny you say that because uh there's that scene where they talk about how, like, you know, Wookiees are known to rip people's arms off when they lose. Like, Wookiees are kind of presented as, like, yeah, a warrior race. But, but at the same time, you're right. Like, at one moment, Chewbacca's, like, kind of hiding in the corner. And Han's yes. like, get over here, you big furry oaf. I don't care what you smell. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's d- almost like um, high maintenance or something. <laughs> Do you know That's what so I mean? funny. Like, and, 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 like, the thing is he'd rip your arm off, but it's because he lost it at chess. Like, it's very, like, mm, like the way a kid would throw a tantrum, but if a kid could, like, That's tear so your arm off when they I've got always pissed. thought of Chewbacca as this, like, wise warrior person. Oh, well, that might change, too, as I yeah. see more of him. Totally. Han saved Chewie, and Chewie owes Han a life debt. So, oh. um, like, Han kind of begrudgingly accepts this creature to kind of travel with him because yeah. the creature feels like he owes Han his life and <laughs> and the uh, life debts are actually kind of a common theme in Star Wars like that ha- there's another character that owes a life debt to someone else in the wow. prequel trilogy mm-hmm. uh, so then they kind of become you know inseparable friends <laughs> over time uh, mm-hmm. which I love because you get that feeling from this movie that they are inseparable friends yeah uh, like you would never even question that Han would go over anywhere without Chewie. Sure. But at the same time, Han is so jaded and doesn't seem to really have any other relationships in his life besides Chewbacca. Yeah. So it's it's kind of a, a wonderful sort of anachronistic character. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Your power is a weak old man. You can't win, Darth. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. <laughs> So I don't know if this is the right point in the story, but are we at the point where um, Obi-Wan dies? Yeah. So there's the the fight between Darth Vader and Obi-Wan. That was so interesting because before he gets like struck by the lightsaber, it's like he... Um, if you strike me down, I will become more possible, uh, yeah, than, more powerful, powerful than you can possibly imagine. Than you can possibly yeah. imagine. And so when it happened, that was a moment where it was really successful that the gravity of that... It's funny because the gravity of that happening was greater for the character in the movie. I feel like this was the opposite of that other thing we we're talking about, where for for Luke, 
to us, that felt like a huge moment, like yeah. a very, the gravity of that was huge for us and not, and it didn't really seem that big for him. Yeah. And this time it was the reverse because I felt like I knew he was going to be coming back or he was going to be, there was like the, the fact that he got struck down, it wasn't like, oh my God, we've lost him forever. But for Luke, it was. Right. And, and they actually, I thought they did a good job of Absolutely. showing his reaction to that. I mean, this, this is the one that makes me feel like the other ones should have been there too. Cause like sure. Luke goes on a, on a rampage and yeah. tries to kill all the stormtroopers. He stops yeah. caring about whether or not he gets shot. He just yeah. stands out there in, in the open air yeah. and starts trying to kill people. Yeah. 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 Um. So it was an interesting kind of almost an opposite yeah, that's really interesting. Moment. So there's a lot of talk before the the lightsaber battle commences, mm-hmm. um, either by themselves or to each other about how like uh, this is something that has to happen. We have to th- like his plan is to face me alone. You know, yeah. Uh, like he tells uh, Tarkin, he's like, you know, escape is not his plan. I must yeah. face him alone. Yes, yes, I remember that. And it seems like Obi Wan went there to die. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, which is so interesting. It's like one of those things where there's just stuff happening that we don't know, like we don't yeah. understand. Yeah. And we just kind of take it on the face value of the character reactions. Mm-hmm. Like Obi-Wan smiles. He sees that uh, yeah. Han, Luke, and Leia are about to escape. Yes. Like he sees them running to the Millennium Falcon. Yes. He knows that his job is done. I feel like maybe mm-hmm. he just wanted to be a distraction or something. Yeah. Uh, just to give them the time to escape. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he smiles and like his fight is over, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a really kind of, uh, it's just such an iconic moment. It's such a classic moment, but it's also a yeah. little confusing. Like it's a little confusing to watch a main character just give up their life. Well, yeah, it's also really interesting because going back to the idea of the force being um, a religion or a version of God or, you know, is that he then absorbs and becomes a part of the force again and is able to express through that. I feel like when he's talking, when we hear his voice in Luke's head and later when we hear him in the, when he's in the X-Wing. Yeah thing yeah you right got it. i got nice. it um <laughs> that when we hear him again that that he is now part in my mind that's it's not like oh he's a ghost and he's talking to <laughs> look it's like it's that he's part of the force again totally. he's absorbed back up into the force and because luke is in touch with the force nice. and able to you know that totally. that's and that's kind of an interesting idea of thinking of of death for you know, in our world, um, yeah. that you be, that you get absorbed into the creative energy of the universe is kind of an interesting <laughs> totally. thing. And well, then, I mean, yeah. your description of that, I feel like is the best way you could possibly describe what happened, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm actually really excited that you describe it that way after one viewing. Cause it took yeah. me a couple of viewings to be like, what the fuck happened just then, <laughs> you know, but I was like 12, 14, I don't remember. Uh, so yeah. yeah. So 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 that happens. So he gets he yeah. gets struck down, and then they they escape. They escape, and then it's revealed that they're being tracked. And yeah, I actually love the fact that you know Tarkin and Darth Vader are talking about you know I'm taking an incredible risk, Vader, mm-hmm. uh, by tracking them and letting them go. Mm-hmm. And then it's so funny. The next scene, Princess Leia is like, "They let us escape, and they're tracking us." Like she figures it out, which yeah. I love. Yeah, I love that the the two sides are kind of at equal intelligence levels mm-hmm. of who's running the show on on the good and the bad side. Yeah. Because uh, it gives like a really good sense of stakes and a really good sense of um, possibility for either side to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they 
it seems to me that they decide that like, even though or princess leia decides even though they're being tracked it matters more to get the plans to the rebel alliance yes. so they can destroy the death star because yeah. not destroying the death star means that the whole universe falls basically mm. like mm-hmm. the, the empire now has a weapon that can destroy entire planets mm-hmm. they either have to get rid of it yesterday or everyone's dead yeah. so it doesn't even matter if the entire rebel base is revealed to the empire because yeah. uh, all that matters is that they get those plans to the rebels stand by alert death star approaching estimated time to firing range 15 minutes how did you feel about the death star battle oh it was so cool just because of how quickly they explained it. I understood that all it would take would be one person, one fighter jet or whatever, that somehow there was an oversight in the creation of the Death Star that they 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 didn't plan for a simple attack. They planned against... A one-man fighter. Yeah, yeah they planned they, against... Like, they planned against something more massive. Yeah. yeah, and so that that was the hole in their armor and that, you know, I understood that, but what I didn't fully understand is exactly how they were going to make that happen. Right. So it was cool to watch that unfold um, with all of the different X-Wings. And but but it was it was sad because one by one, they just down, 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 you know. And but what was interesting is and maybe I was just tired at this point, but I kept thinking, okay, so there's only three left or something like I I was trying to keep track of how many (laughs) there were left. And then there would always be like one more guy that was like on the radio all of a sudden. I was like, Oh, I thought, well, the case there's five left. All right. And then Hmm, like, you know, I don't know. I was, that was kind of an interesting thing. Um, Yeah. But the the, Death Star is so big. There were multiple fighter squadrons at different places. Right. Uh, Like there was the, the Y wings that are still alive at the end that we just hadn't seen. I didn't even think about them. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. But yeah, it was it it felt very similar to my to like a World War Two Yeah movie though. I mean there was in that moment there was I mean obviously with the the sort of um space element to it, but there was it felt very fighter jet. Um right. you know, um Yeah, which was very intentional for sure. Yeah. I, actually George Lucas looked at footage of dog fights and tried to recreate it with yeah. with oh, the wow. x-wings and the tie fighters oh interesting okay yeah that and makes a lot of sense i think one of the most thrilling visual special effects that's ever been made is i, I always say i'm i'm such a hyperbole monster but i stand by this one uh that when the when you fly into the death star trench Yes. It's incredible. Yeah and then to see the um as it's narrowing like see through their little uh Whatever lens they're allowed to put on, they put on there and they, they can see how yeah. close they're getting to the target. Yeah. Like that almost felt to me like I was in a video game. And totally. that was really cool to get that perspective and then come back out of it and see what they're seeing. I mean, yeah, that was very cool. And actually it felt that moment felt um, like it, it was in a totally different world than a lot of the other special effects or visual effects of the movie, huh. um, which was really cool because we were in a different world. We were yeah. we were seeing the Death Star from a perspective that we've never seen it yet. His computer's off. Luke, you switched off your targeting computer. What's wrong? Nothing. I'm all right. And they're talking about computers, like they have the targeting computer. Yeah. And sure, yeah. like R2-D2 and C-3PO have been, you know, plugging into shit the whole sure. time. yeah. But it doesn't necessarily feel like computers are something that human beings can use yeah. in the universe, yeah. if that makes sense. No, absolutely. Until that moment when they're using targeting computers mm-hmm. for the first time. You never see someone 
typing or like <laughs> interfacing with a computer in any way. No, 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 uh, no, not really. It seems no. like droids were built so people wouldn't have to do that anymore. Right. Uh, until the very end when they use it for like tactically. Yes. Until, you know, Obi-Wan as a force ghost <laughs> convinces Luke to turn off his targeting computer and just use the force yeah. and feel when the shot needs to be taken. Yeah. Which, which Luke is able to do. And I, I don't think there's any way that Luke makes that shot without doing that. Right. Um, no. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, it's the first time I saw this, I had a little bit of trouble accepting that, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. It's funny. If that movie had come out now, I feel like that would have been a comment on how devices take us away from our human instincts. Mm, yeah. Um, because it didn't come out now, I, I don't feel like that's what it was trying to do. Yeah. Um, but if it had, I feel like that's what that would have represented. Yeah. It almost works better for me now than mm. it did as a kid. Yeah. What I like about it is that like all the other people are telling him, like, look, you switched off your targeting computer. Right. Um, but he just knows the way that he needs to do it yeah. if he's going to get the job done. And yeah. he just goes for it in the best way that he can, whether or not other people think that that's the way he should do it. Yes. Which I think is really cool. And totally. uh, I, I really dig that. There's a there's a deleted scene that was put back in in the special edition right before they take off to battle the Death Star where Luke reunites with a friend from childhood named Biggs, who's uh, Biggs is actually one of the people in the final battle. And he and Luke have a lot of familiarity, even more so than some of the other guys, oh, wow. um, which uh, is because that character was actually, you know, cut out. There's actually a scene with that character that was filmed in the very beginning of the movie where Biggs is talking about how he's leaving Tatooine to go join the rebellion. Oh, uh, that's never been officially released, but like bootlegs of that scene have made it online. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there was, there was a little bit more buildup for, uh, for another one of the, the fighters, you know, at the end. So you kind of feel the stakes of that more, hmm. but I, I really feel like as the movie was originally released, they were feeling like it was getting too long and needed to kind of get to the, get to the point at the end, you know? Yeah. Because for me, that's when I was saying about the plane landing. And then, I mean, the moment that shot is taken and, you know, they've done it. That's kind of when the plane lands for me. And then the runway is sort of when they get off and they're all hugging. And yeah. then the, the I don't know what scene you would call that. What the, like the they're award, not being knighted, but ceremony. whatever that yeah. would be. Yeah, They're getting um, medals of valor, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um but yeah, I feel like the momentum is an, has an interesting uh, way about it from yeah. then on. Yeah. And uh, it's not a lot of, I'm not saying it's a, it's not a lot. It's not a lot of uh, story left yeah. that they tell, but they do, they do you it don't in an get any way. sense. You don't get to talk to the characters about what they've accomplished. You right. don't get to hear in their words that they're happy or excited. You, right. ju- you just have to see it and then we're done. Yes. Uh, which I think works great. I think yeah. it works just fine. You yeah. know, it's a little, uh, the movie always leaves me wanting more. And I think maybe that's part of that. Mm-hmm. But I also think that that is a brilliant strategy if you're making the first film and you <laughs> want to make another. <laughs> totally. And I think, didn't I say it the end? I said, I was like, oh, that's the end? Yeah. You're like, that's it? That's it? Like, yeah. I, yeah I you mean, wanted more. I definitely did. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in the in the award ceremony, mm-hmm. um, it's a little suspicious. There's a couple other people that survived the Death Star battle. Like we see a couple of other ships fly away at the end. Okay, yeah. I'm a little upset that they didn't get their due. Uh, and like Han Solo came in for one moment, right. of this fight. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he gets a medal, right? Chewbacca does not get a medal. 
<laughs> Did you notice that? No. Yeah. They give medals to Han and Luke and that's it. Chewbacca was there too, man. Yeah. Also, the droids don't get a medal. Yeah, because, I mean, the droids aren't even considered to be alive. Right. Yeah. But it's amazing to see R2 and 3PO, like, all shiny and new looking at <laughs> yeah, the end. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. And yeah. there's that moment in the battle where R2 gets shot, and it looks really bad. Mm, yeah. Um, which is, uh, which is great, you know? Yeah. Uh, because, like, you're really, you're really upset for that moment. And I, <laughs> C-3PO is, like, so upset. But even so, like, Luke and, Luke doesn't really show any real concern for r2 you know <laughs> even when they get back on the planet he's just celebrating mm -hmm. uh so i've always kind of looked at it like droids are considered to be second class citizens mm -hmm. and not necessarily even alive except that our main characters kind of treat them more like people right but that might not necessarily even be true you know yeah. to to the full extent yeah where right. they're not even like you know super concerned Hmm. kind of a bummer but i love i feel like the movie is told through the eyes of the droids if that makes sense like huh. they are they are the people that we we spend the most time with at the beginning yeah and i yes the the, the focus shifts to han luke and leia uh but because we start with the droids and we kind of end with the droids mm -hmm. in a way mm -hmm. um I almost feel like it's like the movie is told through the eyes of those characters. Oh, that's interesting. Which I think is super cool. Oh my, R2, can you hear me? Say something. You can repair him, can't you? We'll get to work on him right away. You must repair him. Sir, if any of my circuits or gears will help, I'll gladly donate them. He'll be all right. There's so many things about this movie that work so well, that are so unique, that uh, people try to imitate and have never quite captured. I don't think anything has ever felt quite like this movie, including the rest of the Star Wars movies mm. in a good way. Like the rest of the Star Wars movies, you know, like Force Awakens, I think, actually came the closest because Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi don't even try. They just do their own thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Force Awakens, I think, was the closest uh, attempt at recreating the feeling and the spirit of the original Star Wars movie. Mm. Mm -hmm. that i've seen hmm. but like lost in space i think i think <laughs> tried to recapture yeah a lot of the feeling of this movie huh. uh i think some of it some uh, that's probably why i like that movie so much because <laughs> i think they you know do some really cool fun things like the the wisecracking under pressure stuff and yeah, the, the that's true. frenetic action and um traveling from place to place that's like that's that's something that's fundamental to me about Star Wars is also is like mm -hmm. traveling from place to place. There's no home base in this movie. They don't return home at the end. Mm. You know, like if anything, the Millennium Falcon is kind of the only place that they return to. Okay, yeah. Uh, as far as yeah. a set. Well, it's also interesting because when you were talking before about going into hyperspace, like how that's kind of their their trick up their sleeve. It's yeah. the same with Lost in Space. I mean, it, it serves right. a different yeah. function the, the way the that it saves them. The hyperdrive without a gate. Yeah, yeah totally. The, it saves them in different in a different way, but um, yeah. But still, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of a parallel. So as a kid, I always wanted a continuation of that story. And now we're getting that. Something I didn't know that I wanted was more information about uh, how the Death Star plans were stolen. And the oh. movie that just came out called Rogue One is yeah. the story of how the Death Star plans were stolen. Really? And it, it takes place right before episode four. Oh, that's chronologically. cool. Chronologically. That's yeah. cool. 
Yeah, so they slotted a story into there that actually fits perfectly in the continuity. Well, as close to perfect as you can expect for something like this. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's really, really great. And hmm. I, I feel I want to show it to you now because I think it'd be interesting <laughs> to see that without the frame of reference of the rest of the movies. Yeah. But um, but I, I'm going to stick to my original plan of showing you the, the order that things came out. Okay. I think that that's going to be okay. the best way to go. Yeah, I'm yeah. into it. Might as well. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow, that was almost three hours. Yeah. Apparently, I, I had a lot to say. I've been dying to do a podcast about this movie. Yeah. Forever. Was, I, I, I can see why. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, um, it's going to inform a lot of my other sci-fi watching, too, which I yeah. think it becomes this kind of like reference point, um, kind of a scale to measure things against. Um, yeah, which is really helpful to have for yeah. me because I am new to it. Yeah. So, um, well, we've been yeah. watching a lot of Doctor Who, and uh, <gasps> you've been. You I were telling love me Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, you were telling me the other day that like you feel like you're becoming a legit sci-fi fan, which was really cool. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know if I would use the word legit because I I'm gonna be probably reserved in using that word till I really can like speak about things right. in the right language but i, I yeah. but definitely fan, i guess yeah you I, were saying as far as your interest is concerned, in my interest yeah, yeah like you're legitimately yeah. a fan of the genre yes yeah. yes in terms of like a fan in the way of having knowledge on everything not not quite there yet but yeah. um but yeah in terms of like having that spark of interest for sure yeah yeah, yeah i think yeah i said to you i was like i had my first sci-fi craving i was like <laughs> i just need to go watch some people do stuff in space and <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like I could use a good alien scene right now. You know, I mean, yeah, there's something about it that's really specific and um, touches a, a part of me that I'm, I'm like really excited to get to know more. Awesome. Um, yeah, we're doing it. We're, we're gonna document it. it so everyone else can listen to us <laughs> talk about it. Oh man, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so next up, Empire Strikes Back. What do you know about the Empire Strikes Back? You've never seen it. I've uh uh-uh, no right. I've never seen it I know I do not know anything about it I do not know anything about it I don't know if it's the one where we find out that Darth Vader is Luke I'm your father <laughs> I don't know I don't know anything I just know that it's obviously episode five yes and um and that it's I I think I know that chronologically it's what happens next right, right. Yes. yeah yeah so um yeah that's about it that's all I know and I I'm assuming a lot of the same characters will be in it um you got it so that's about it i was telling you this the other day that um at different points in my life all three of the original star wars movies have been my favorite yeah of the three like yeah. when i was a kid the first time i saw return of the jedi i was like this is it for me this is <laughs> this is as good as things get um and then as i got older i kind of developed this bigger appreciation for the first one uh, and also Return of the Jedi is arguably the silliest of the hmm, three and that okay. started to frustrate me over time okay uh, so yeah as, as I got older the, the first one kind of became my favorite because hmm. it's like the it's the the genesis of all of this yes you know yes. and it like so much of what I love about Star Wars is present from day one of yeah. the Star Wars movies which is so cool yeah. but then uh, I'd say the older I get the more Empire becomes my favorite because <laughs> it's so rich Hmm. it's so texturally rich and um yeah and i cannot wait to watch it with you i'm really excited 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for, yeah. for uh, uh, what's the word? Humoring me <laughs> to, to not only like watch this movie, but chat with me about it for three hours. That's pretty cool. You're pretty of cool. Course. You're, you- <laughs> you're the best girlfriend ever. You are. You're the best <laughs> girlfriend ever. Um, no, please. It was my absolute pleasure. I This is so fun. And I'm really excited to keep going. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, cool. this was awesome. Thank you yeah, so much. Yeah, thank you, Jesse. All right, that's going to do it for this week. I loved this episode. It was so thrilling for me to assemble this episode, just cutting the clips together and, you know, just listening to Star Wars. Because you always watch Star Wars, but you don't necessarily hear the audio without seeing the visuals. And the audio is so amazing and such a part of of why I love Star Wars so much. So I just had a blast putting this together. And I hope you had as much fun listening. Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast because I just started a sort of show within a show called Sci-Fi Supplemental where I've invited listeners of this show to send in their thoughts about the episodes and they'll be cut together in a little mini podcast just for you. I I just really like hearing the voices of other sci-fi fans and hearing why they love science fiction and how they connect to it. So if you want to submit something to Sci-Fi Supplemental, you can uh, record yourself in any format that you like and email it to me at sci-fi supplemental at gmail.com. Right now, I would love to hear more stories about uh, people watching Star Wars for the first time. If you have a good story about that, record yourself, send it to me. I'd love to put it on the show and make you a podcast star. I played a little snippet of my song Moisture Farm in the middle of this episode. If you'd like to hear that and the rest of my sci-fi synth pop music, you can find it at jessemercury.bandcamp.com, where you can also find my premium podcast available for a dollar per episode. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash sci-fi project and sign up as a monthly supporter. $2 or more per month gets you all episodes of my premium podcast. $3 or more per month gets you all of my sci-fi music as well. So there's a lot of great bonuses and perks there that you can check out. Longtime listeners will remember a little tirade that I went on months and months and months ago about how Facebook pages, the like artist pages, were kind of worthless. <laughs> So I used to have a Facebook artist page that I unpublished because I was just posting the exact same things on my Facebook personal page and it just seemed silly. But recently it occurred to me that it would be great to have uh, a sci-fi project page, not not just another page for me, but something for the sci-fi project itself where I post everything that I create for the sci-fi project. Because at this point, I'm making so much stuff, not all of it is even ending up on my personal Facebook page. So I reactivated my Facebook artist page and rebranded it as Jesse Mercury's Sci-Fi Project. So if you'd like to follow that on Facebook, you can find it at facebook.com slash jessemercury.sci-fi. And if you already followed that page in the past, it should just pop back up in your feed like magic. Hooray. And as always, you can find my website at jessemercury.com. I really appreciate you sticking around through another extra long episode. I've had two in a row. There was like two and a half hours long. That's that's crazy. I'd love to hear from you about format things on this show. So if you like extra long episodes or if you prefer that I cut them into two, 
I just never know what to do about that. I kind of uh, do whatever feels right week to week. If you like that, let me know. Uh, if you'd like something different, let me know. You can reach me in many places, uh, including email at sci-fi at jessemercury.com. This show is uh, primarily for me <laughs> because I want to talk about science fiction and I need an outlet for that. But the the second most important aspect of this is you. So... I want to make sure that this show is coming to you in a way that you appreciate and enjoy. I'm very open to feedback. I'd like to make this as wonderful as an experience for everyone as possible. And with that said, we're going to wrap it up for another wonderful edition of Sci-Fi with Jesse Mercury. That's me. Thank you for listening. Until next time, stay nerdy out there. <laughs>